This is LBC, leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Text 84850. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. It's Friday. You are permitted to jump up and down and go, wee! But uh, only the once, because apparently the weather goes bad. If we manage to stave it off for this weekend, it should be quite nice. So it turns out the grandmother was a liar. Big surprise there. Another court appearance due, I think. And uh, the interesting thing is that we seem to applaud liars and cheats now. And so some agent has come forward and gone, oh, I can get her into nightclubs and people will applaud her. What, for being stupid? That's how desperately sad it's got in this country. Let's hope she gets prosecuted. She's tried it on before. I think it's about time old woman gets banged up. That'll be an interesting headline, won't it? How old are migrant children? They claim to be 13 and 14. They look in their mid-30s. It's all very confusing. And uh, Will Young, oh dear, gets ever closer to a driving ban. He was on his phone on the wheel. He got fined £1,000. He's got three penalty points, which takes him ever nearer the, uh, the complete driving ban. He said his grandmother's got cancer, but unfortunately there aren't any exclusions on using your phone at the wheel, you know, unless you're calling to say that you've... I don't know what the exclusions would be, but uh, trying to talk to your grandmother who's dying of cancer is not one of them, I'm afraid. So he gets the £1,000 fine and he gets the three penalty points, which I think takes him quite close to a a ban. Uh, Dirty Gertie with filthy weather. That's what's going to be happening over this weekend. It's not great, is it? And also the Quiz Show Express, the train driver who transforms the dreary commute. I think they've been listening to this programme. They've nicked the idea... Because years ago, I was saying, you know, it'd be lovely if I was a, if I was a guard on a train. Morning, ladies and gentlemen. Which is leaving uh, Waterloo Station. Trust you're all well this morning. A little bit cramped and uh, not all the toilets are working. But nevertheless, we can all smile, can't we? Some of you have got seats. Some, I mean, I could talk for hours. I could keep them going on the entire journey. But you bet your bottom... This is what this bloke does. He does sort of little bits of monologue for them, which is quite sweet. You watch. Very shortly, he'll be banned from doing it. You know, you're not doing what you're paid to do. You're paid to open and close the doors and just go, you know, the next station is a short platform. You need to be in the front coach to actually get off. Otherwise, you're trapped, aren't you? Um, Strictly wants Guess Who to take part in the programme. Honestly, they always throw these little gauntlets down. I mean, I'm convinced. I'm convinced it's just to annoy me. Because they go, oh, you know, she'd be lovely, she'd be this and that, we know she'd really love to do the programme. And then they throw this name in the frame, and you go, are you having some sort of laugh or something? Is this some sort of joke at our expense? They always go, but of course, I mean, some of the other people are so desperate, they actually sit on television, they go, oh, I'd love to do Strictly. And you think, God, that's even more desperate. That means your agent needs firing straight away. Um, da, 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 da. What was the other one? Oh, Zayn Malik's promoting his new single. He didn't do the, uh, the Graham Norton show. It's coming in here today, though. Now, whether he's in live, I don't know. I'll have to find out later. Somebody will no doubt tell me. The producer will say, yes, he's in live. And, uh, and then we shall, we shall wait and see what it's like. And uh, Alan Kappa dies. And for regular LBC listeners, you'll know who Alan Kappa is. If you're not a regular LBC listener, I shall tell you a little bit later on. Uh, Also, the police called in over an air freshener, the police, as opposed to the landlord. This is in private accommodation, bedsit land. And they called in the police over somebody using an air freshener. I've never seen anything like it in my entire life, really. What a waste of time and money. I'm sure the police have got better things to do. And uh, Robbie and Jason set to rejoin Take That. To celebrate, I think, 25 years. And let's face it, Robbie's not exactly working hard or doing anything at all. And Jason's all but disappeared. But for 25 years, Robbie's agreed to get... Uh, like, something like, sorry, would you like to... Keep, yeah. Let's face it, he, I shouldn't imagine he could sell out the scout hut at Ponder's End. But uh, to take that again, and so they've gone... Because I don't think they're working as a threesome. 
I seriously don't think it's working. Oh, it's very sweet of them to go out as a little beat combo. But to be honest with you, people want to see all of them. And so they've gone, oh, do you think we can persuade, you know, Jason to go back and, uh, and Robbie? Well, Robbie, of course, because he's sitting on his bum most of the time, isn't he? What does he do? Nothing. Absolutely nothing at all. And so they need to get him back on there. Uh, Spandau Ballet uh, reckon they will split up again for four to five years, then get back together again, which is, I'm OK with that. I'm OK with that. And uh, it's Hall Mine. Um... A digger, a bulldozer, driver, unearths a Roman pot of coins uh, worth about 150,000. I forget how much he gets. He could get as much as £70,000 out of it, which is not bad, is it? Which is not bad at all. And, of course, the uh, the ditching of your New Year diets, because over Christmas you all bought into it. I keep telling you every year, don't bother. I keep telling you every year people go, oh, look, you know, there's this diet. It's another fat celebrity is waddled out of the wardrobe, have a picture taken with their gut hanging on the beach. Uh, hanging on the beach. Yeah, most of them are on the beach. You know, the fake pictures of, oh, look how fat I was. Oh, I was so embarrassed. I was so this. It's done to flog a DVD. Surely you can't be that dumb. But obviously many of you are, because 399 of you put in the claim for the £33 million on the lottery. I mean, what kind of country have we got? I'm sorry, did you buy a ticket for it? No, but I thought I'd put in. What, do you think they're just going to hand you £33 million? Oh, my God, there's some dumbos out there, aren't there? You know, mind you, I have to expect at this time of the morning there's probably a bigger share of, of thick people, you know, the people who drink, the people who are certainly on drugs, because every time LBC does a programme about drugs, you can't, you can't stop the phone lines from practically melting from the amount of people who want to come on and tell you and extol the virtues of puff whiz and just about anything else that's going at the moment. I like the idea that the Queen's hiring a new helicopter pilot. There's only six in her family who drive helicopters or pilot helicopters. What's she advertising for? Why don't she just get Prince Andrew to do He's not doing anything else, is he? Is there anything else, Prince Anne? What, what does he do? He doesn't do anything. Hangs around with the wrong sort of people. We know that for a fact, don't we? And, uh, and, the, and the other story is Catherine Zeta-Jones, who's revealing the secrets of her looks. You won't believe what it is, and you probably won't want to try it, but that's what she puts it down to. I think, and here is, here is the Steve Allen advice on people's looks, you're either good-looking or you're not, OK? There's no two ways about it. You can't make yourself good-looking. You've either got good bone structure, you've got good strong hair. So anybody who's blonde, my advice, ladies, is don't ever go out with a bloke who's blonde. His hair will drop out. It's the finest hair, and it's the weakest hair. Always go out with somebody with dark hair. Ginger's fairly good, or, I'm sorry, red, you know, Titian, which is quite nice. And, uh, as I say, that, that's, what you're, that's what you're looking for. But I think you've either got good looks or you haven't. Because good-looking people are good-looking throughout their whole life. Whereas... Average people, like most of us, we're all, you know, pretty average. We make the best of what we've got, but I would never, ever say, you know, that I'd be good-looking. I could never be classed as good-looking, because that's, otherwise I'd have been a model. And I'm not a model, unless it's for Tonka Toys, which I think is highly unlikely. So I think good-looking people are made... It's like when you get models. You know, you get hand models, face models, ear models, and they're people who've just... They're blessed with sort of... You know, they don't have to try it. Ask any model... Ask any model who does the catwalks, either here or Milan or in Rome or in America. Sorry, do you need to go on a diet? No. They're naturally like that. They could eat whatever they want. They sit there, they smoke. There's probably a load of drugs out there as well, I should imagine. And so they don't need to diet. You seriously think the models go, oh, I must start dieting. No, they're just clothes horses. 99.9% of models you've never heard of. You know, because they're just androgynous people. They just have to be people who are thin, who fit the clothes that are made. I don't know who buys the blasted things, but apparently somebody somewhere goes out and buys different designers' clothing. But it's made for small people. It's not made for fatties like me and you. It's not made for us at all. You know, if, if you're slightly overweight, well, forget it. 
there's nothing for you. You might as well go to Millet's and buy a tent. You know, and all this, you know, fail Friday. You've probably had a fail Friday for the past 15 years. You've never managed to make a diet work. We all do the same, don't we? Oh, I think I'll go on a diet. All right, how long will that last? About a week. What happens after that? I go back to eating chips. Yesterday, I had chicken Kiev and mashed potato. And it was delicious. It was, and I put sprouts, because I'm a bit adventurous, I'm a bit of a cordon bleu cook, I put sprouts in with the mashed potato. Uh, I didn't add any extra butter or anything like that, I think it already had loads in. And I did two chicken kievs, and I have to tell you, it was delicious. I might even have it again today. I was sort of breaking all the boundaries. Oh, chicken kiev, honestly, how delicious. And somebody said, oh, all that garlic butter. I said, yeah, but you don't need to worry about garlic butter, I'm not eating that much. I'm not exactly going out snogging Teddy or the cat or anything like that. So I liked it. But uh, today is your fail Friday, where you ditch those silly, ridiculous DVDs that you bought. And, um, and and that's it. You know, then you'll go back to being fat for the rest of the year. And then next Christmas, we'll go through it again, won't we? I'll sit here and I'll be going, listen, here's another fat slob of a celebrity who's trying to get money out of you. And they'll go and you'll all go, oh, yeah, but it worked for them because they'll go on every chat show. Look at oh, that Lauren Goodyear creature. You watch, by the end of the year, she'll be as fat as a pig again. You know, back where she started. If she really thinks that that weight's staying off, she's going to have to work her little arse off, isn't she, for it? And it's not, oh, I do beg your pardon. It's not little at all. <laughs> also, the mirror, the uh, the £33 million lottery winner comes forward. Surprise, surprise, I've decided, sorry, they've uh, decided not to opt for publicity. Well, I didn't think it was worth it. Why should I tell people? Don't want to make people hate you even more. And uh, so it's not the woman who washed the tickets. She's got a lotto explaining. Uh, well, she's already got her boobs out for a lorry driver. She's quite clearly up for most things by the look of it. According to one agent who's the one who handles White D. And you know what I think of that person. So uh, let's not bother, shall we? Nothing worse than sort of agents. So in other words, a person is actually claiming that he would represent somebody who, who blatantly is a liar and has made more court appearances than probably 95% of people listening to this programme at the moment. And so that's what we're encouraging, is it, in this country? We're encouraging cheating and lying, you know, and sort of some old hag getting her boobs out for people. And that's what we're encouraging, is it? Do me a favour. Do me a favour, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, no, 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 no. Oh, Cheryl Fernandez-Spagbol, she's out in, uh, in uh, Barbados. She's on her phone. I don't know who she's talking to. I'm, I'm hazarding a guess. It's Samaritan callback. And she goes, yeah, yeah, because I'm worth it. And so she's out there and, of course, very cleverly, and she's out there with, with a photographer, obviously, to get pictures so they can phone them back in again. And it's her on the phone. And you can see that she's not wearing her wedding ring. <gasps> Shock horror probe, ladies. Imagine spindly pop star who can't sing has taken her wedding ring off. Wow. What do we deduce from that? It's probably fallen off her finger because she's lost so much weight. I don't know what anybody else thinks. And they all turned up, didn't they? That because um, I think uh, Cara Toynton went out there and uh, Nicola Roberts is there as well and other people. I don't know who else is going to be out. I'm sure there'll be somebody very interesting out there. But frankly, I mean, you know, poor old Cheryl. She doesn't exactly have a ton of friends, does she? Just to sort of tag onto the back of somebody else. I believe she's being matron of honour, which is quite nice, isn't it? A bit of an honour for her. Every time I open up the papers, this this uh, the lotto claimant, Suzanne Hint, uh, one of many names which she appears to have. I don't know why we encourage this sort of... This woman should be prosecuted, absolutely prosecuted, for wasting everybody's time. And, uh, and she's up on the theft charge in court very shortly as well. Uh, Hansa Patel, the, uh, the shopkeeper, says, whoever is telling lies about the winning ticket will be punished. He milked it, didn't he? They've not announced who the, uh, who the winning news agents is, and they probably won't. 
They probably will not. Unless he goes back through his records, which I shouldn't think he would be doing. A Gertrude Awakening you've got coming up. And it's 80 mile an hour. Winds, snow and a risk of... Wait for it. You don't want to hear it, but you're going to get it anyway. The risk of even more flooding. Oh, God. And it's only... Thank God it's Friday. Thank God it's the last Friday in January. Whoopee! 29th. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast. And it's very nice to have your company. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. It's lovely to have your company. I hope you're part of the uh, the 4am spike. I think it should be called a rocket, actually, shouldn't it? But spike sounds good. They, they call it a spike in the industry. I call it just uh, impressive figures. And that's about as good as it gets this morning. Because it doesn't matter if you're an insomniac, if you're working, you know. We don't, we don't really differentiate between anybody on this programme. As far as I'm concerned, you're all exactly the same. It doesn't matter whether you're a man, woman, child, gay, straight, black, white, pink. I couldn't care less. I'm really not remotely bothered. You know, unless people send in pictures. I don't know what you look like. Luckily, you know what I look like. Which is coming back to the looks thing again, because if you're not blessed with looks, you just make the best of it, don't you? I think if you cover yourself... I mean, if you are really unattractive, and there's quite a few of you out there who will be, you know, I expect you to do the decent thing today and not go out. You know, stay in, order from a cardo. It's much easier. No point in pushing yourself around a supermarket. It's not necessary. Frightening people and babies and stuff like that. Uh, so the BBC, every so often they, they sort of go, oh, and we're now casting for the new series of Strictly. And out of the woodwork crawl the, the desperados, the people who go, oh, I'd like to do Strictly. And then it turns out they're actually not much cop at it. And, so, and then occasionally they do a thing. They do the same on Big Brother. I don't know where they get the, these quotes from. I, I would have to check with somebody to find out. It doesn't really matter. Because they'll always go, oh, we've always wanted so-and-so because they'd be really good. It's like when they put somebody on Celebrity Big Brother. You know, they were saying, oh, Kustark's going to go into Celebrity Big Brother, which, which she turned out not to. And she'll be talking about Prince Andrew. No, she won't. No, she won't. You know, they say, oh, so-and-so, Gemma Collins are going there and being explosive. No, she's just a foul-mouthed old bag who seems to think now she's a bit like God. She said, I'm intellectual, I'm on a different planet. Yes, dear, it's the planet of children, I'm afraid, because you're not mentally stable to do anything. You really are a revolting person, like all of them in there. Stephanie Davis, when she comes out, she'll be booed and everything out, because that's what people do on the programme. So over in Strictly, they like to pretend they're at market, whereas, in fact, they're not really. They've just got, you know, a band, which is very nice. I do like a live band. I like a live band. I like the panel, but I'm not bothered about the dancing. I couldn't, I couldn't really care less. And so here is the latest one. Try and work this one out, eh? Strictly Come Dancing bosses are trying to convince so-and-so to compete in the next series. Producers have made an early bid to sign up the star so she can arrange accommodation in Britain for the show when it returns in the autumn. She charmed staff when she sang on the dancing programme in November. An insider said she was a hit with the team. What? Are they, off, are they drinking down there or something? Anyway, she loves the UK and she's seriously keen. Now she's trying to settle on a money offer that works for her. She isn't a huge fan of reality TV, but knows how special Strictly is in the UK. She lives in Los Angeles, and uh, this particular person has Crohn's disease. She's battled breast cancer twice, opting for a double mastectomy in 2013. Yes, believe it or not, thereafter, Anastasia. I mean, you know, is there anybody relevant for today? Is there anybody current? I mean, why would they want to go for Anastasia? I mean, I can't... She's not relevant to this country at all. She's very nice. I'm sure she's very, very pleasant. But she's not relevant to the programme. You know, if she wants to do it, then tell her to sod off and go and do it in America. But obviously they're not interested in America in her. So that's why they have to go, oh, perhaps she'll do the British one. 
It was like, we didn't want Heather Mills, so we shoved her to America. Mind you, we, we never wanted Heather Mills. We just wish Heather Mills would go and disappear and stay over there, don't we, forever and a day. Somebody says that the real secret about Catherine Zeta-Jones' good looks is an average but expensive cosmetic surgeon. Do you know, she's looked the same for years. And I'm telling you now that cosmetic surgery generally alters people. They go, oh, I want to look like this, like the Bride of Wildenstein or however it, you know, however it works out. Somebody says, is it to marry a rich old man and do very little? No, no, no. I should imagine she probably had as much money as he had. I would think, I think it enhanced her in Hollywood. Definitely enhanced her in Hollywood. But there again, if you remember, she went out with John Leslie. Yeah. Dirty boy, Leslie. So she went out there. Uh, Said here, more than one person can have the winning lottery numbers, just some legal advice. No, 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 not no, because they'd have said it was only one other person. What are you, stupid or something? Honestly, we do get some dumb people in the morning, don't we, really? More than one person can have them, but there was only two winners on the lottery, Okay. Open your ears. We'll try and sort of insert some intelligence between them. So only two people on this thing had the winning numbers. God, blimey, honestly. And these people are allowed to vote. It really is a little bit worrying, isn't it? It really is slightly disturbing, actually, when sort of somebody goes, more than one person can have the winning lottery numbers. No kidding. No kidding. Wonderful. And then you look at some of their other texts and you suddenly realise they're as mad as a fruitcake, aren't they? You do get them. I think it must be this time of the morning. Do you think it's like because this is fail Friday? You know, do you think you also have sort of stupid Sunday or, or any other? You can think of all sorts of things, can't you? I always like to, to go with things like that. And uh, Nikki says the fake lottery winner woman probably on Celebrity Big Brother. Of course. Of course. Yes. I mean, it's, I mean, she's a time waster. But the trouble is, when you look at her history of how she tried to claim on a, a lottery ticket with three £200, and I explained to you yesterday, you suddenly realise that this woman needs medical help. She's an old woman. She's past her sell-by. God knows she's past her sell-by. She's a bit like White D. What was she famous for? Being on Benefit Street, not actually getting off her fat bum and doing a day's work. And then magically, you find an agent who sort of gets out there and starts putting her out there and they stick her up. I mean, it's just embarrassing, really, isn't it? We seem to applaud failure in this country. We seem to like failure. The more stupid somebody is, the more you'll find an agent to represent them. They don't actually do anything. This woman doesn't do anything apart from get her boobs out. And my God, I tell you, if you want to push them around in a wheelbarrow, love, you're heading in that direction. And so they say she may face a fraud, fraud probe. I think it's highly unlikely. They've just put it down to being stupid. But, of course, we seem to like that. The next thing is she'll be on the television. I'm telling you, she's now got media value. Read my book so you want to be a celebrity. You know, you can go on and tell... As long as you're not sort of admitting to murder or something like that or child abuse. But if you're just somebody who tells lies because you're a bit simple and a bit thick, and she's quite clearly a bit simple and a bit thick, then people seem to like that. They go, oh, right, that's nice. That's why they sit there on the Jeremy Kyle show. I'm sure if you actually cut to the audience and they were all seals going, like that, we'd all go, oh, right, that's what it is. And yet they, they appear to be as stupid in the audience as they are on the stage. People who want to go on there and tell you what failures they are in their life. I mean, she's quite clearly a huge failure with no money. I'd love to know how much on benefits she is. Perhaps this agent seems to like people on benefits, who luckily then come off benefits, and then when their career collapses, they'll probably go back on them again. You would like to think that they wouldn't, would you? You would like to think that people might be a little bit sensible, but they're not. I mean, this old woman here, she's not planning for her old age at all. Uh, she said she ruined the ticket by accidentally leaving it in a pair of jeans. I mean, either you really are that thick, love, or you didn't get an education. You know, in which case, it's a bit embarrassing. You know, you've made yourself look really stupid. And she's got a daughter as well. How embarrassing. That's my mother, the compulsive liar. 
Uh, Jim the Trucker says, wet and windy and stains. Yes. Sandra says, as an ex-showroom model, I can vouch for your theory. I'm naturally slim. It's not difficult. You just eat what you want. Yep, absolutely. Absolutely. It's, you know, you are either thin or you're fat. I don't believe any model, any model has ever sort of gone under the knife for cosmetic surgery. The only thing the agents say to them is, can you lose a bit more weight? And so they generally give them a bit of cocaine or something like that, and then people don't eat anything, and they go out and they dance and they do nightclubs and they do that kind of stuff. But they aren't, they aren't fat people. They, aren't, they were never fat people. That's why it's only the, uh, the third-rate reality stars who are fat blobs because they've been out there and stuffed their face with kebabs and booze and everything else that then get fat and then they have to bring out a DVD to prove to you they've lost the weight. And then, lo and behold, it goes back on again. Look at Jennifer Ellison. Thin, very fat for the, uh, for the DVD. Loses the weight and we all go, oh, it's amazing, Jennifer Ellison. And back it's piled on again because she knows that's the only way to make money now. Her other career's dried up completely. She blamed it on children. Remember the, uh, the, the line the other day? She said, of course, ha- having children, I vo- devoted everything to them and forgot about myself. Liar. Why do these people tell lies? Honestly, it's because you stuffed your face, dear. It's not, nothing to do with having children. There's loads of sort of thin, thin, thin people. Oh, by the way, don't even bother doing the 99 million quid tonight. I've got the numbers. OK, I'm going to reveal them later on this morning. And, uh, and we can all share. <laughs> I think not. I shan't be sharing anything on the... £99 million. They keep telling me £99 million. And we were having a bit, of a bit of a session the other day on what we would do with £99 million, On how much fun you could have with £99 million. What would be the first thing you do with the £99 million? Most people would go, oh, I phone up the boss and I tell him to stick the job. Pfft, not me. <laughs> you think I'm giving this up? You, they'd have to drag me screaming from the studio. £99 million. Huh. Somebody said to me, what about the begging letters? I said, I'd carry on sending them. Oh, certainly I wouldn't. I wouldn't stop sending them. I send them to dear, dear so-and-so, dear, dear Sandra, can you send me some money, please? Or Susanna, whatever her name is. Oh, no, she hasn't got any money. I have to go and find somebody else. They've chosen to remain anonymous. I was tempted to say I've chosen remain, uh, to remain anonymous, but then I thought, no, no. Because be, I, I guarantee, if I announced, you know, on Sunday that I had won 99 million, you'd get at least three people writing in, complaining bitterly. About, you know, somebody winning money. You know, the, the, life's losers. They're just, they're very jealous people. They don't, they don't like other people to win. Whereas I don't care. I couldn't care less who wins the lottery. I'm not remotely bothered. It could be somebody who's arrived from Sanget. I couldn't care less. Makes not one jot of difference to me. It's what you do with it. As long as you enjoy it. As long as you give a bit to charity. Do your little bit, you know. 99 million, you could be very generous. Very generous to a lot of people. But uh, generally speaking, most people, they do the same. Everybody does the same. They either have a house built or they buy a nice house. They change the car. They get loads of clothes. They buy a Rolex watch. Uh, they go on holiday and they stop work. And everybody's the same. What else do you think people are going to do? And they buy a house that's got a swimming pool and, and they just sort of decide they're not going to do anything. Unfortunately, most of them will not take any financial advice. And if you don't take financial advice, it's very easy to be parted, as indeed was that, uh, that uh, lout, Mikey Carroll. I was delighted when he lost it all. I laughed, laughed. I nearly sent him a sympathy card. But I thought, no, I can't be bothered to waste the stamp. And then I thought I could send it without the stamp and he'd have to pay the other end. And then I thought, no, that's not a good idea either. So I just reveled in his misery. I was very happy about that. He, uh, he terrorised his neighbours up where he lived. He was a thief. He did cocaine. I was glad that he, uh, he was to- so stupid he lost it all. I was I was so delighted. And he's had to go back to getting another job. But that's what it does, isn't it? It fuels the dream. And the dream is of having loads of money. People want loads of money nowadays. Whereas I've always said, I just want to be comfortable. 
as long as I can afford to do what I want to do, you know, if I want to go out and buy a pair of shoes, I can buy a pair of shoes. If I want to go out and put petrol in the car, I have to maybe think about that one. But there's loads of things that you do, and as long as you can afford to do that and put the heating on, you've got a roof over your head, that's fine, isn't it? And I can do that without winning the lottery. Winning the lottery means that you could do it big time, and you could help out loads of people, because I'd definitely be doing my bit for charity. So with £99 million, woo, I will tell you about the failings. I told you about the two sailors the other day, the two idiots who should be barred from ever going to sea. They've been rescued nine times, although they're not the only ones. There's a whole raft of people out there, I use the term in the advisable category, uh, who are equally as stupid and equally as dumb. Fourth. Look at the team at seven. A white actor is cast as Michael Jackson. It sparked controversy. Many people asking, why is a white actor playing a black singer? Does it matter if he's black or white? And it's, it is an odd one, isn't it? I do think that's slightly strange. I thought the whole idea was you're supposed to sort of look like the person. I'm not sure whether or not a, a white actor can look like Michael Jackson, no matter what people said about his vitiligo and everything else and whether he lightened his skin. I mean, he was, he was just a black guy. It was as simple as that. And then, obviously, Michael... I mean, lots of people do it. There are a lot of black people who do lighten their skin. But, I mean, a white actor playing Michael Jackson? He's got to look like him, hasn't he? That would just be ridiculous. And as a 14-year-old girl is sentenced for punching an 87-year-old woman in the face on a bus, and she's really... She doesn't like... To, she can see it now. Every time she closes her eyes, I can see that fist coming towards me. Uh, when did Britain stop respecting the elderly? Quite some years ago, I'm afraid. Quite some years ago. It really depresses me and disheartens me. And this 14-year-old girl, who's having some sort of counselling... Um, can't be named for legal reasons. She punches a she punches a woman. I mean, what sort of? I don't, you hold your hands up, don't you? And, you? and I have to go. I'm afraid I can't understand what sort of family that 14 year old would come from. That would actually mean that she would hit somebody, hit an elderly person. I just don't. I don't quite understand it. I really don't understand it. If I was a judge, I'd, I'd be doing. I'm terribly sorry, love. I don't think that we want people like you. I think we're going to lock you up for a very, very long time. But I don't think that's the answer. That's a stupid thing. I don't know what the answer is. They're just ignorant. They're just peasants. They're ignorant peasants. They would punch a pensioner. <sighs> Terrible. All of that and more with Nick Ferrari today. Looking at the uh, the papers, Lord Digby Jones of Birmingham. And he's a former CBI director, trade minister under Gordon Brown, international business, crossbench peer, blah, blah, blah. Shirley, um, who quit the other day? One of the MPs quit in the House of Lords, Shirley. And um, and they had little speeches on it. I thought they were going to give her a round of applause, but they didn't, which was a shame. Anyway, so the other day I was telling this story about um, about one of the producers, one of our big breakfast shows in the building, and Toby Anstis and I, and we were sort of laughing about money. And I completely forgot to mention my friend Mike Osborne. Well, of course, did I get it in the neck later? Oh, good, honestly. I thought it was Armageddon. Not talking to you. Why do you... Oh, dear. I mean, seriously, I've had to sign an affidavit, you know, saying I'll always mention him again in the future. <laughs> he said, I was there. I was there too. He is there every day. He is there every day, Mike. And so I felt really guilty about it. I went home and I thought, God, I felt really awful. Because I wasn't sure if he was being serious. Or, you know, when somebody says something to you and you think, and, and you always say, don't you go, you're having a laugh, aren't you? But I, I wasn't sure if he was being serious or not. So I, I thought that's why I had to mention him this morning, because I know he'll be listening to this programme as he's coming in today. And hopefully he should actually be on his way now, because he's, he's the one. Do you remember I told you about Whitstable? And I said, if I was going to go and live somewhere, Whitstable or Frinton kind of go quite near the top of my list. 
This is, this is whether or not I win £99 million on the lottery tonight. It doesn't, that doesn't make any difference. But Whitstable looks lovely. It's got a, so, you know, it's, it's just a little fishing village. And it just, it just looks, it looks quintessentially British. And I'm afraid being British, I kind of hanker back to those days of, of the black and white films and, and things where it, life, I'm sure, seemed better. I'm sure it did. It probably wasn't at the time. But I seem to look back with fondness to all the things. And we were talking about Yorkshire the other day. One of my guests came in and came from Yorkshire. I said, well, I'm, I know Yorkshire quite well because we used to live up there. And then we started reminiscing about, you know, all sorts of different bits. And, and it was quite nice. And then I've suddenly realised I'm at that age where I reminisce. I can't help it. I've started going, oh, that was nice. That was pretty. And then you think perhaps I should go visit all these places. Places from your childhood. Noreen did it. One of our nice regulars. She did it. And uh, she went back to different places. And I've done it down in Brentwood, although I can't find our house for love nor money. It's either disappeared off, off the end of the road and it's fallen into the South End arterial. Or failing that, I just don't... I think our front door was at the side of the house. And I have seen one down there that the front door is at the side of the house. And so I'm, I'm hoping that's it. But it, it is odd when you go back to place. I do want to go back to Yorkshire. I do want to go back to Yorkshire and go and have a look at the road where we live. Because I should imagine, as it would have been about 45 years ago, it's changed a wee bit. Some of these little villages in Yorkshire are probably no longer little villages. They're probably huge, sprawling housing estates as people move further out. Whereas in my day, there was nothing. Absolutely diddly squat. You'd walk down the lane in, in winter when it was snowing and you had to walk to the bus. There was none of your mum getting the car out. Would like to get the car out? It'd be so stupid. So you put your, your Mac on. No, no umbrellas. We didn't have umbrellas. That was very mamby-pamby. You just had to go and walk and wait for the bus. And hope you were there early. Hope you were there early for the bus. And you'd get on the bus, oh, say hello to all the people that you knew on the bus, and that was it. But I can't remember getting on buses. I remember that they looked very old-fashioned. If you watched the, the film called The Titfield Thunderbolt, they've got the, the coaches on there that look like the coaches that used to take us into school in Withensey which was a little, um, a little seaside resort. And actually, one of the people I spoke to this week said, we used to go to Withensy for our holidays. <laughs> I said, I used to go to school in Withensy. Anyway, uh, Danny says, I hope it's only diets failing today. Higher French prelim this morning. I don't know what that is. It sounds quite exciting, though. It's probably, it's probably way out of my uh, thing. And uh, James is a spiker at 4am. He said, I love the show. Makes my insomnia livable. I'm amazed how many people... How do you get to be an insomniac? How do you get to, you know, to be an insomnia? I've never been an insomnia. I did worry years and years ago when I first started doing a, an overnight programme, long, long time ago, called Night Extra. And I did worry that I wasn't going to sleep during the daytime. So I, I did get some sleeping tablets from the doctor. And I did uh, a course of... And then I thought, oh, I don't want to do sleeping tablets. So I stopped doing sleeping tablets. And then I worked out that if you exhausted yourself during the daytime, you slept really well at night. So yesterday, I'd like to make sure if I go home, I'll have, I might have a little lie down for half an hour or something like that. And, um, and then, I, then I like to get out, get some air. It doesn't matter what I do. Couldn't care less what I do, as long as I'm out getting some air. And I went out yesterday to buy water and a chicken for my hairdresser, because she likes the cooked chickens in, in Costco. And, um, and so I was sort of, sort of quite good. So by the time I get back at about 2.30, and then I sort of start getting tea ready. I don't know why I call it tea, but it is tea, I suppose. And, uh, and then I do that, watch a bit of television, catch up on some texts and emails and things like that, and then I go to bed. Sleep like a baby, except last night when I woke up about ten times. I don't know why. Ridiculous. Uh, Peter says, don't see how an agent can represent that woman if she's behind bars for trying to defraud the National Lottery. Well, it depends if they decide to prosecute her for wasting time. 
And I can't see it being a prison sentence, holding hands up and knowing these sort of cases. I mean, all she is is just a bit simple. She's a bit stupid. She's a time waster. I can't see them putting her in prison. That would def- In fact, that just gives her more notoriety. I just hope she disappears somewhere. But, of course, if she's on benefits, I want to know about it. I want to know why she's on benefits. We found somebody in the paper today. You'll like this story. This is a, this is a typical Steve Allen story in the papers. And um, it's about um, a girl who was... I'll have to find the story because I don't want to, I don't want to make a mistake on it. Uh, the, a lot of the papers doing the stories that we did yesterday. I sometimes, when I open up the papers, it's a bit deja vu. The 25 options in gender question. And, uh, you know, are you male... Young woman, young man, trans girl, trans boy, agender, gender fluid. Do you know what gender fluid is? People who have different genders at different times. Have we gone mad or something in this country? Have we all of a sudden gone sort of gender reassignment mad? Because it seems to me that every time you open up the papers... I mean, what was the one school where they said that boys can now wear skirts? And I thought, but how many transgender people are there? I didn't think there were that many people. Now we see it's almost like an epidemic. There's loads of people. Um, do you think people just come out and go, I think I want to be transgender? Or do you think people genuinely are transgender? Because they've actually got here trigender, somebody who shifts between three genders. I wasn't even aware there were three genders. Non-binary, those who don't feel exclusively male or female. Couldn't you just put down the word confused? It's like people who say, I'm bisexual. You go, what does that mean? It means you sleep with just about anybody. Uh, isn't that just called Greed. I don't understand. I mean, I really don't understand. It's like, it's like, I mean, I'm obviously quite dreary and very boring because you read in the papers of people who are addicted to things like, um, you know, rubber or plastic or, you know, also anything like that. And I keep thinking, God, I'm really dull. I'm really boring. I just like Kentucky Fried Chicken. And that's about it. Perhaps, and I, admittedly, while I'm naked, you know, just to add to the excitement, um, in the middle of boy and girl, somebody who identifies between male and female genders. Do you think they actually start sort of doing this and, and they put ideas in people's minds and people don't really know and they go, oh, uh, yeah, that, that's me. I don't know if I want to be a boy or a girl. I mean, I do appreciate the fact you do get people and I do know people who are transgender. I do know people who have had sex change operations and they've gone from uh, from I don't know any women to men, but I know men to women. I don't, I don't know any... Well, I might do, actually, <laughs> because they're very good. I remember seeing one on the television ages ago, and, um, and she looked amazing. I mean, as, as a man, she'd grown a beard, and really, I mean, you couldn't tell. Whereas I always think you can tell the other way around, unless, as it was years ago, we had a page three girl. Do you remember there was a very famous page three girl who appeared in a Smirnoff advert as well, I think, and she was in a James Bond film uh, with her sister... Uh, in the when they were doing the uh, the modelling, and uh, born a boy, born a boy, and so now you know you've got people, and so now people don't don't think about it too much, and then you get people who just cross dress, people who don't actually want an operation, they just want to dress as a woman, and it tends to be married men. It's confusing, isn't it? I mean, it must be confusing for for a lot of people who sort of go really, because sometimes you sit there on the train, you look at somebody, and you go, you a man or a woman? I mean, sometimes I, I, I try not to stare. So I try and be a bit subtle about it. So I put my dark glasses on and then I can stare quite normally because I always pretend I'm asleep. Uh, did you sort the insoles? I promise I will only tell you if I win £99 million pounds, uh, today. Yes, it's today. £99 million. Pounds. It's Friday. 
It's, I mean, it does sound quite nice, actually, doesn't it? £99 million. We've all fantasised over it. All fantasised. Steve, I used to be a catwalk model, and the pressure I was put under was horrendous. Wasn't a day gone by when my weight wasn't commented on. And uh, so now I can eat everything I want. Which is, which is good. It's all right, I guess. Uh, Kevin says, Steve, you can't have the winning lottery ticket because Sam put my winning lottery ticket in the washing machine yesterday. I'm in the money. <laughs> have you seen the pub on the Flint Beach at Whitstable? The old Neptune, says Tony. Sounds like, oh, actually, talking of, of old Neptune, and this isn't a good link. I was watching a programme about Billingsgate, which I'll talk to you in a, in a moment about because I found it really, really interesting. 14 to 5. Steve Allen on LBC. <laughs> Morning, it's uh, 12 minutes to 5. I'm Steve Allen. Mike Osborne is Mike Osborne. Toby Anstis is Toby Anstis. And uh, Michael is, is Michael. And uh, the producer's not going to be here next week. Hooray! He's, uh, he's going to Super Bowl. Super Bowl. Super Bowl. Super Bowl. Good. Actually, doesn't interest. He said to me, he said, it'll be sort of evening time when you're on air. You know, perhaps you'd like to talk to me. I thought, I don't talk to you when you're here. If you think I'm going to call you when you're away, no chance. No chance of that. So I'm watching Big Brother. Oh, no, I'll, I'll tell you about the other What was the other story I was going to do? Anyway, um, yeah, um, I was watching Big, uh, Big Brother. And they've stuck in this, uh, this peculiar person, Gillian McKeith, who was on television years and years ago and used to pass herself off as a doctor. But I, she's not. I don't think she's a medical doctor. It's like going to Austria. Everybody's a doctor over there. Doctor of music, doctor of pavements, doctor of reading, doctor of this and that. And, uh, and they were talking about what she used to do. But apparently now she thinks she's some sort of therapist. And somebody wrote in on one of those uh, website things saying, since when has she become a therapist? Since when her career dried up, I suppose. I mean, she was on the television all the time and then it all went horribly wrong. And all of a sudden she didn't appear on the television. And then they sort of resurrect her. Perhaps they've got a special cemetery that they go to on Big Brother and they go, who can we dig up today? Like, you know, Strictly going, oh, we really want Anastasia. What for? She was on the programme and she impressed the team. She was singing. I don't know. I mean, perhaps they're a bit stupid on the team down there. Use the word far too uh, often. Uh, Gemma Collins is still on there. We've got to kick her out. But, of course, it'll take some foot to kick Gemma Collins out, won't it, really? Uh, on the subject of, uh, of television, a lot of people talking about how, how bad it is. Easy to become an insomniac. Uh, become a night nurse, then a night hospital manager. Guaranteed success, says Darren. <laughs> Sounds good, actually, doesn't it? And uh, sad news, says Noreen, that Alan Capper died. I'll tell you, uh, new listeners, why Alan Capper is, uh, is part of LBC's history and goes into uh, to folklore. Uh, Ashid goes, uh, four sweets, 16 crisps and four yoghurts. Actually, I could eat four yoghurts. Wouldn't, wouldn't need to ask me twice to eat... Um, Eat yogurts. I love yogurt. I'm sure it's not good for me. In fact, I'm totally, uh, totally uh, sure it's not good for me. But I just like the idea. Like the idea. Uh, right. More of your texts and emails. Eight four eight five zero Steve at lbc.co.uk. And uh, Steve, I went to the Wimbledon Theatre some time ago to see the Rat Pack. Sammy Davis Jr. was played by a white guy. Was he really? See, I, 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 I mean, I don't quite see that. Isn't that a bit of an insult? Is it? I mean. You know, I I can't quite get my head around it because I'm I'm sort of trying to. It's it's funny, isn't it? We we've we've had the old argument about Father Christmas. Father Christmas is always white, you know. And then somebody said, couldn't he be black? And you go, well, he could be, but he isn't. It's like somebody said about James Bond, could he be black? And the answer is, he could, but he wasn't written as black. He was written as white. We know that because we've read the books. 
And somebody said, well, you could always change them because they've, they've exhausted the books a long time ago. So in theory, I suppose you could you could change him. But are we just doing that because it's patronising? Are we just going, oh, it's like sometimes I sort of turn on the television. I think, have you just used a per- person of ethnicity there because you feel you should make up the uh, the quota of people, you know, to make it look as though we're sort of very diverse and stuff like that? Because, because I had one guy on the television once, and he was absolutely dreadful. And it wouldn't make any difference whether he's black, green, pink or white. He was just a dreadful presenter. And, uh, and so eventually, luckily, he sort of disappeared, which was, uh, which was good. Um, Philip in Bournemouth says, I'm trisexual. I'll try anything once. <laughs> First thing I do, Steve, is hire you to hand over the £99 million winning ticket. Yeah, and I could rip it up in front of you. That'd be that'd be quite good, wouldn't it? I like that idea. I like that idea. Somebody might win it. It's unlikely, but it doesn't really matter, does it? Oh, apparently, the higher French preliminary exam. No fun at all. Higher French preliminary. Isn't um, uh, Darren's doing Icelandic, isn't he? Why is he learning Icelandic? I couldn't quite work out. Out of all the languages in the world, you know, why you'd want to learn Icelandic? Perhaps he likes it over there. I don't know. Perhaps he's had contact with Icelandic people. Whereabouts do you live in Yorkshire, says Paul. Much has actually not changed outside of Leeds. We were up by uh, Withensey. So out of Hull, heading up the coast, up to Spurn Point, Spurn Head, up there. And uh, nice. nice. Well, I mean, it was nice because I remember it. Withensey, I shouldn't imagine, has changed very much. But I'd like to go to the little village that we lived in. I've seen it on Google. I've checked it on Google Maps. One of my producers found it for me on Google Maps. And I looked at it and I didn't recognise anything at all. Because we used to have uh, a couple of farms in the village. And we lived down a little lane. And we were within striking distance of the beach. I'd love to go back there, though. I'm not, I'm not sure that the, the, the car could cope with dirty roads. So we'd have to, have to take it up in the summer, I think. I'd love to get the car dirty. Because I'm not totally convinced that they have actually car washes in Yorkshire. I know we've got loads of... There's a proliferation down in London and Essex. You can't move for car washes manned by Lithuanians, Romanian, all sorts of people. But at least to get the car washed. It's become the new big thing, hasn't it? Years ago, you took it to the garage, you took it through a car wash and it ended up with swirls all over the place. Who uses car washes? Nobody. The hand car wash is so much better and they dry it properly. You'd sit there, wouldn't you, in your car and the brushes would come down and And then at the end, the brushes lift up and then this thing comes... And it would rattle all the windows on the car and the mirror would disappear. Oh, good stuff. Why did Gemma Collins go into the Big Brother house? She won't do the tasks of cleaning or anything. That's why she's fat. She's lazy. She's lazy. She's always been lazy. She's never done anything at all. She just sort of trowels her makeup on and sits there bleating about anything. Complete waste of time. As I say, can't wait for her to come out and discover the boyfriend's gone back to prison. <laughs> we'll have a good old laugh over that one. So there'll be nobody to meet her apart from a few of the old... You know who they'll drag out to meet her? All her naff friends. Friends and in inverted commas. So Chloe Sims will be there because she'll turn up for the opening of an envelope. But again, she'll have the makeup troweled on because without it, she just looks slightly peculiar. Bobby Cole Norris will be there because he can't get arrested. Nobody's bothered with him at all, are they? They just stick him on programmes. We just pointed him and go, "What is it?" We have no idea. No idea. Uh, other stories of the papers for today: a driver. He gets a £25 parking ticket, OK? And he then complains to the council that when he took the ticket off, it left a sticky residue on the, on the windscreen. And you think, yeah, OK, so you just sort of wash it off, don't you, like any normal person? Not this one. He got £41 compensation. <laughs> Seriously, we've gone round the bend. Absolutely round the bend. 
Wouldn't find Mike Osborne doing anything like that, I shouldn't imagine. You know, the idea that you'd sort of complain about a bit of sticky residue. You just get like that and rub it off with your finger, don't you? And amazingly, the council chiefs paid him 41 quid, despite saying there was nothing amiss about the adhesive. The ticket issued last year was for 50 quid, but the man qualified for an early payment rate of 25, so he's in profit. He's, he's walked off 16 quid better. We really are mad, aren't we? We really are completely mad. Completely mad. Uh, there's a lovely story in the paper about Charlotte Moore, the BBC superwoman, her cameraman husband, and how his firm made a fortune from the BBC. There's stranger things going on at the BBC, ladies and gentlemen, than you can ever shake a stick at. It's a little bit of cronyism, I think. A little bit of cronyism. And here we go, the growing scandal amidst the asylum crisis. Uh, people who are way much older, but pretending to be younger. There's a picture in the paper today. You'll see it in most of the papers. It's, um, it's a man. He claims to be 14. Well, I mean, it's just ridiculous. There's one in court who claims to be 15. There's another 16-year-old. And uh, they've, they've said here, they, 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 they turn out to be liars. <laughs> surprise, surprise. Surprise, surprise. People tell lies. Good Lord. Good Lord. Transgender girl, demi-boy intersex government... Oh, sorry. Government survey and stuff like that. Uh, this is the... The survey that we mentioned a short while ago, where they ask 13-year-olds about their gender, what they are. And they've said here, it is as absurd as it is madness. This this gender madness. I mean, it's just, it's just crackers. It really is. You know, the school that goes, oh, we're going to be doing this, we're going to be politically correct. We've got all PC again. It's, it's really awful. It's really awful patronising to people. So what are you, boy, girl? Sorry? What are you, boy or a girl? What are you? A transgender boy. Oh, OK, right. Transgender girl? Yeah, I suppose you could be. But it's, it, it is awful, isn't it, really? I don't, I don't quite understand where we're heading in this, uh, this particular one. Uh, media mogul Rupert Murdoch has told followers that posh boys in Downing Street are equally awed uh, by Google chairman. Uh, Robert Peston rebukes him sarcastically. Of course, Rupert Murdoch, you never found current or previous Downing Street incumbents easily awed by you, cheeky monkey. Yes, uh, Rupert, who's getting married, I believe, 84 years old. God, I hope he lives long enough for it. I mean, she, she, she might be an absolute whiz kid in the bedroom. You never know. She's coming up 60. She looks like she could leap from wardrobes, doesn't she? I feel like I can say that at this time of the morning, actually. She'll go to Chichester. So, uh... Should go to Chichester. Why Chichester? Is there anything? Is there anything good about Chichester? Lovely place? Mm, probably not. Probably not. Not exciting enough for me. I don't. I'm looking for. Some, I don't know where I would want to go at this time of the morning. I've watched all the police programmes, and I quite like you know the idea of going out in the police car. But it just seems to be you know one fight to the other, and just when you think you know you can go to a nice quiet area, it turns out to have all sorts of problems. Uh, Miles reckons that the Super Bowl was what Gemma Collins used to eat her breakfast out of. Quite a good line and probably quite right, actually. Probably quite right. Uh, also, the Queen advertising for this personal pilot. It pays 78500 a year. You thought she could get old lazy old Prince Andrew to do something. He doesn't do anything, does he, really? And they, they all fly. And, um, and so she's looking for a helicopter pilot. I mean, two of them are recently qualified. Why's she not using one of them to fly? How many helicopter flights does she take? I don't think she takes that many at all. It's probably Prince Andrew. He has really been a terrible waste of space, hasn't he? Oh, that's what I was going to tell you. That's what I was going to tell you. I was going to tell you about all the people uh, having had the um, the two blokes the other day who uh, couldn't pilot their boat and they had to be rescued, I think, about nine times. 
And so they've uh, they found a list of other people who needed rescuing as well. People who were so stupid and so dim, you really couldn't believe it. So I'll run through the list here of people who have failed. And we'll do that just after the news at five o'clock, which is coming up on LBC. I'm told Chichester's lovely. And uh, I grew up near there, which makes it fabulous for that reason, says Chris. He'll be doing the travel for us very, very shortly. So there you go. I expect picture proof of this. I'm not. Um, I'm not totally believing that Chichester is as uh, lovely as everybody says it is. I hope so, though. I hope so. So it's lovely. Is it very old-fashioned? Very old-fashioned? We'll find out a little bit uh, later on, shall we? Uh, coming up on the programme this morning, the grandmother who didn't win the lottery. There was a big surprise. But uh, an agent who reckoned she could make loads of money. So through lying through your teeth and being a thoroughly nasty person, we applaud them, do we? How embarrassing. Catherine Zeta-Jones reveals her secret and freed from jail to kill for a third time. You couldn't make it up, so we won't. It's LBC. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. It's Friday. Whoopee! <laughs> Try not to get too excited about Friday because the weather doesn't exactly look brilliant, does it? I'll give you the full rundown very, very shortly. Uh, Will Young gets close to a driving ban. He was caught on his telephone at the wheel. That's quite a high fine. I thought it was £100. He got fined, I think, about £800, £900. Uh, the big shock, the, uh, the lying grandmother doesn't win the lottery, but an agent says she could still make a million. It really is an embarrassment, isn't it? The British mum's breastfeeding rates are the worst in the world. The Quiz Show Express, the train driver doing what I would guarantee do myself. Freed from jail to kill for a third time. And Leonardo DiCaprio meets the Pope. That must be the crowning glory, mustn't it? And uh, the Queen, looking... Oh, looking for a helicopter pilot. And uh, even though she's got six in the family who can fly helicopters... I keep saying, you know, give it to Prince Andrew. He doesn't do anything else, does he? He seems to just sort of swan around. Uh, we take all your texts and emails. 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. So the quicker you get them in, the quicker we will read them. Apparently, a lovely cathedral in the South Downs. And uh, very old-fashioned. You'll love Macari's Tea Room. Macari's Tea Room. What do people think I'm going to like a tea room? I suppose because I've talked about you know owning a owning a tea shop or something. It's got to be on the it's got to be on the coast. It's got to be somewhere you could just sit down at a table, you know, and just sort of sit there and watch the world go by. That's right. But then of course you think to yourself, no, don't sit there and watch the world go by. We need to sell cups of tea. So are we failing? After we told you the story the other day of the uh, the two old blokes who were just useless as sailors. They'd been rescued nine times. And uh, somebody said, don't ever let them out on the ocean again, because they're just idiots. They're, they're just too barking mad for words. And so one of the papers thought they'd have a, they'd have a trawl through the archives, and they would try and find out uh, if anybody else had been as disastrous. And they found a raft of people. Uh, for example, here, this is a holidaymaker who had to be rescued by passers-by after falling 30 feet down a well as she tried to take a selfie at an Indian tourist spot. The Australian woman was touring the fort in Gujarat when she stopped to take the souvenir shop but fell in. Locals who heard her screams made a long rope from their shirts, because they didn't have any rope, and lowered it down. She managed to grab hold and they pulled her to safety. The bungle in the jungle is an engineer called Jeleno Vieira da Rocha, who'd been working on a stretch of the Trans-Amazonian Highway in northern Brazil when he decided to take a shortcut through a field and ended up getting lost in the Amazon jungle. As the days 
wore on, he had to use his survival instinct and ate wasps and flies to keep hunger at bay. He was eventually rescued after 12 days in the remote forest by a team of police officers, firefighters and sniffer dogs who managed to track him down. There was also a tourist, a walker and two friends who had to be rescued from one of Scotland's highest mountains after trying to climb the peak wearing flip-flops. I know, I can't believe them either. Emergency teams were absolutely amazed, absolutely amazed. Uh, One of the companions had bare feet. Um, That's one I can't mention. Uh, Turkish Coast Guards had to rescue a 10-month-old baby girl last summer when she floated a kilometre out to sea. Uh, Melda was in an inflatable baby float when she was swept out as her parents sat on the beach. What stupid parents are these? Uh, then there was Larry Walters, boyhood dream to become a pilot, scuppered by his poor eyesight. But it didn't uh, let that minor detail stop him. Instead, he tied 45 weather balloons to a deck chair, armed himself with sandwiches, beer and a pellet gun and took to the skies. His plan was to cruise at 30 feet before using the gun to burst the balloons and float to the ground. When his friends cut the cords that tied his chair to his car, he rose 16,000 feet. After 45 minutes, he shot a few balloons and accidentally dropped his gun overboard. He descended slowly but became tangled in a power line and was fined a £1,000. So, you know, two old boys going out there on the ocean, thinking they're going to cross it, I believe, thinking they're actually going to cross the ocean. And people are saying, I don't think you can. You're not going to be very good at it. And uh, hopefully they might have taken the advice on board, but I have a horrible feeling that they won't take any advice on board at all. And they will go out there and they'll have to be rescued for the um, for the umpteenth time. I, should, I don't think it's going to be too difficult. Uh, another one here. Talking about the, uh, the reminiscing. Uh, my old mum used to talk about when she was evacuated, flown to Cornwall. Sorry, down to Cornwall. didn't fly to Cornwall, did she? Didn't have it in those days. So a couple of years after my dad died, took her one summer back to Cornwall. One day organised a trip for us to go back to the village because the farm she stayed on had long since gone where she and her sister and brother were sent. Anyway, on our arrival... Uh, in a place called Babe. Is it called Babe? Uh, Mum started to weep. It seems not everything was as she'd let on. Either that or she'd first remembered through rose-tinted glasses. It seemed at five years old she was put to work plucking chickens. Her brother, aged 11, was given the job of looking after the cows, while the farmer's two sons spent their time at school and did nothing on the farm. You see, I mean, I think children, actually, some of them got a really rough deal. They were used as cheap labour. I know that for a fact. But uh, he said the programme Billingsgate, it was very interesting. And it was only very interesting because um, uh, because they were looking at the porters down there at Billingsgate. And it was quite a badge of honour to be a porter. I wasn't sure how the system worked. I just know that there they were. They were a separate unit and they all had these badges saying official porter. And they used to take the fish and presumably they used to get paid. Then the whole system changed. And before their very eyes, they saw their jobs disappearing. As it turned out, some of them did sign new new contracts, but it was amazing how, how cutthroat the business was down there. The language was pretty ripe as well, but I found it very interesting. One of the guys down there ran a store with a boater, and he called himself the the bee of Billingsgate. I thought he was just a bit self, uh, self-opinionated. self Apparently he was poacher-turned-gamekeeper, so he wasn't the most popular lad in the building. And then he had a load of fish that was out of date, so he got fined for that one, but he's been clean ever since. And it was it was a case of how much money was he turning over? This this was a fishmonger down there. He ranked about 150000 a week. 150000 And he said the majority of people that go down to Billingsgate now were foreigners. The Chinese go down there and end up buying things to send... 
to Shanghai. There was one lady buying crabs, Cornish crabs, to send back to Shanghai. And, uh, and they accounted for a lot of the business. A lot of the business down there, people buying boxes of fish. There's somebody who was sending it in from Thailand, and they, it was all mismarked and everything else. And, and uh, it was just, you know, people work very hard down there. Again, this time of the morning. You know, it'll all be sort of singing, all dancing. Same as Smithfield, I suppose. But it was the porters I felt a bit sorry for, because some of them, the, the reporter on it, the voiceover, said after, you know, uh, how do you feel about, you know, you're going to lose your job? And one of the blokes said, well, how would you feel? You know, I'm going to lose my job. I've done it for ages and ages. Um, they they worked them quite hard down there. They're quite old, some of them. Some of the old boys were, were getting on a little bit. But it was the fact that they were having their livelihood taken away. It'd been the same for about 400 years, I think. I found it really interesting. Really, in- I wish they'd do more, more pro- programmes like that on the television. Anything that sort of shows us what life used to be like. And in Billingsgate, we know that New Covent Garden moved to Nine Elms, didn't it? And Smithfield's still there. I, remember, I only went once to Smithfield. Only the once. That was quite enough. All that sort of dead animal first thing in the morning. Thank you very much indeed. (laughs) Uh, Michael says, there's only one place for you to move to, Brighton. More material for you there than you could uh, poke a stick at. Actually, I didn't think there was that much material in Brighton. There's there's far more in in London and where I live. Far more than uh, than Brighton. Brighton doesn't have enough. It just has a lot of students wandering around in a state of being stoned, I think, most of the time. They have a shop there. In fact, they have quite a number of shops, which is... um, they sell all the accoutrement for people who want to smoke, not cigarettes either. And you could practically, you know, run a camera on the on the front door uh, and seeing the amount of students going in and out to go and buy their papers so that they can smoke drugs. Obviously, drugs are quite freely available in Brighton. There again, I'm not that naive to think they're not available just about everywhere else. Uh, don't forget this morning at 5.30, we'll have a couple of clips from my uh, special guests this weekend for In Conversation. It's the ladies. And we'll tell you who they are in about 15, 16 minutes' time. But we take all your texts and uh, emails on the programme for this morning. 84850, Steve at LBC. Uh, talk about Santa being white, says Philip. Uh, I was in Philadelphia seven years ago, went to a large department store, and they sold both black and white Santa dolls. When you meet, went to meet Santa, there was a white and a black Santa in different parts of the store. Good heavens above. Never heard of that at all. I didn't know that. And... Um, Another one here. Does Darren like Iceland? Says Brian. Yeah, apparently he does, but I don't, I've never discovered why he likes Iceland. I don't know if he went out with somebody from Iceland or or he just likes the country. He just went on holiday, fell in love with it, so he wants to learn the language. And he goes back quite a lot. And uh, was he there? He, that's right, he was there for Christmas, wasn't he, really? I mean, I, it, it doesn't interest me in the slightest. Seriously, I'm assuming Darren likes it because it's got geezers. And, uh, and there's, and it, but, I mean, it's so expensive. So expensive over there. Really, really expensive. And it's never quite appealed to me. I'd like to live in... Um, there was this place where we went to to see Father Christmas, Luosto. I'd like to see what that looks like when there isn't any snow on the ground because I thought that was really pretty. And I'd like, I'd like to go there. I could probably live there, but I'd probably have to get used to sort of eating other food. I didn't quite take to reindeer. I, I, I tried to do it, but it just, just didn't work again. Uh, another one here. Mark says, you're right, and so is Danny Westbrook for once. After Stephanie's attention-seeking performance in the Big Brother house, she said, you'll never work again after this. In fact, I don't think any of them ever work. Well, I don't think Daniela Westbrook will ever work again. But mind you, she hasn't actually worked, has she? She's had a few little things, and then, of course, she's screwed it up completely because she's not fit for purpose. I think it's about time we started cutting back in this country on the ne'er-do-wells and started going for sort of people that uh, that actually contribute something, because nobody in the Big Brother house has contributed anything. 
Seriously, absolutely nothing. Christopher Maloney, who apparently spent all this money on cosmetic surgery, and, uh, well, he wouldn't have known he was in there. Uh, Gemma Collins, who's just foul-mouthed. Stephanie Davis, who's foul-mouthed. Daniela Westbrook, who's foul-mouthed. All these people in there, they can't string two words together. I've never heard such, such language. Well, I have, but I mean, I certainly don't expect it to come out of my, uh, my television. Uh, another one here. And uh, this is from uh, Jamie. He says, I love people watching. Um, he says, I love your opinions of my hobbies. I take photographs. I'm no paparazzi, but, uh, but I know you have an opinion. I've always got an opinion of everything. I mean, everybody's got an opinion. If not, you're, you're not the brightest person, are you? And so he just takes pictures of people, you know, on the, uh, on the streets. And it could be all sorts of people. I mean, they, they might not even be famous people. I think sometimes the elderly people have the, have the best faces. Don't you think so? I'm an, always a big fan of the elderly. You know, people who do look... Uh, you know, as though they are... Oh, dear, I've, just, I've disconnected myself. Anyway, we'll come back to it in a moment. It's uh, 5.15. Morning, everybody. It's 5.20. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast. Apparently, the storms are sweeping across uh, Scotland. Uh, Andrew said it's, uh, it's currently very windy in Scotland. And Junior, who's listening in his hospital bed, he said it's blowing gale, 68 mile an hour, causing damage. Funny, isn't it, the weather? I mean, I always think there are stranger things out there than we know anything about, and the weather is one of those that we can't control. And Luckily, I brought my umbrella today, but I think if it's going to be windy, I'm probably going to lose the umbrella at the same time. But I don't care. It's only a bit of water, isn't it? Nothing wipes the smile off your face on a Friday. We like Friday. I don't care, you know, what you're doing today. You know, if, you, if you've got to go to work, it doesn't really matter, does it? You can rest assured that over in the Take That camp... Robbie and Jason are set to rejoin for a 25th reunion. Because not only will it be... I wouldn't mind, but um, Howard only left. Was it Howard who left? Um, Yeah, no, sorry, Jason who left. He only left in 2014. Hardly left, you know, I want to out of the music business. And then they're all going to get back together because they're going to do um, a documentary about them and everything else. And uh, perhaps we can have Robbie Williams not showing off as badly. Yeah, one time, Robbie Williams used to tour quite regularly. I thought he was sort of up for the touring thing. But he's not done anything for ages. I suppose if you make a lot of money, you tend to sit back. He bought a house, didn't he? Didn't he buy Michael Winner's old house? And uh, and that was that was about it. And then he just sort of disappears. Because I was looking through the newspapers. I love to look through the newspapers to see who's actually uh, touring, to see who's actually going out there. And some of them are quite unlikely, actually. There are all sorts of strange people who then go back on tour. And you think, why are they going on t- Do they sell... Well, they actually sell tickets. You know, if these... I mean, put it this way, I did say earlier on, you know, if, if Robbie Williams went on tour, would he actually be selling tickets, do you think? Do you think people would buy tickets to just see Robbie Williams? He's not had a hit for ages. But they buy a ticket for Take That. Uh, there's a story, uh, there's a new musical coming out here. Tom. What do you think that is? It's, uh, it's Tom Jones, the musical. I didn't even know there was Tom Jones' musical. I've spoken to him before. Uh, also, the hit uh, children's show, Bear Behaving Badly. And uh, they've got, uh, they're they're touring about all over the place. Brendan Cole in A Night to Remember. That's a hell of a tour, actually. Uh, Brian Wilson, Pet Sounds. That's Brian Wilson of the Beach Boys, the 50th anniversary. And final performances in its entirety, along with rare outs and greatest hits. uh, Performed here with special guests Al Jardine and Blondie Chaplin. Interesting. All these people who are touring, I'm always fascinated. Uh, Even Ian Hunter and the Rant Band. The South Martins, The Mission, Christopher Cross, Billy Ocean. Love really hurts without... I love Billy Ocean. I grew up listening to Billy Ocean. Renaissance and Shalimar. 
Shalimar. God. I can remember hearing, was it Uptown Festival? And it was a collection of all these Tamla Motown hits. I heard it in a club. And I remember thinking then, wow, that was pretty cool. That was, that was, I'm sure that was Shalimar Uptown Festival. Uh, Kathy is on the Isle of Skye. She says, I'm always part of your four o'clock spike up north, blowing a good old storm up here on Skye. Whoosh. Got my headphones in to listen to you. So uh, well done to hubby Frank, who organised last night's fun pub quiz. I like the idea that somebody's on the Isle of Skye listening to this programme, because I'm quite jealous about that. I think that must be really lovely. If, if, if anybody ever says, you know, you're going to go back to nature and you're going to look at sort of a wild, rugged landscape, sky would be it. You know, apart from the speed bonnie boats, like a bird on the wind over the sea to sky, the sky boat song goes down in living memory. And it just looks nice. It just looks like the place to go, provided you've got a larder which is linked to a cardo or something like that, and you've got it full up with food, and you've got a generator, because I couldn't bear it to be sitting there and the lights go out. That would really frighten me. I don't, I don't do darkness very well. I do light very well indeed. It's not that I get affected by it, it's just that I, I don't like the lights going off. So if I was living on Sky, we'd have to have a generator. There would have to be all the modern amenities. There would have to be just about everything that you can, that you can get, and it would have to be a, a larder full of tins of Heinz tomato soup. And Heinz cream of chicken soup, and just about Heinz anything. And also we'd have to have Branston pickle. I'd have to have all the luxuries, but I've, I have a sneaking feeling that if you live up there, you'd probably end up living off the land, which is probably even better than anything I could ever do. Minister promised cosy tax deal to US giants. They've done a piece in the paper today on, on what these companies are not paying. And it's really quite, quite amazing, actually, how much money... Uh, there is that's not actually coming in to the country. It's all sort of done. It's sort of tax this, tax that, move this about here, do that over there. When you look at uh, at Apple, sales 10.5 billion, 10.5 billion, tax paid 11.8 million. What the I mean, the possible tax they say should have been 2.48 billion or 2.44 billion. Google sales 3.8 billion. Tax paid, 21.6 million. Far short. Amazon, profit, 4.3 billion. Tax paid, not even 12 million. They should have actually paid 989 million pounds. That's what they say the possible tax should be. Facebook, 34.6 million. Tax paid, 4,327 pounds. It's taking the, isn't it? Possible tax, 7.9 million. That's unbelievable. Starbucks, £79.8 million profit, tax paid £8.4 million. There should have been about another £18.5 million pounds that they should have paid, really. And um, eBay, £1.3 billion, tax paid £2 million. Pounds. I, want, I want some of these deals. I don't want to be rude about it, but can I have some of these deals? I don't want to have to pay all my money. I pay all my tax. Admittedly, I'm not in the same super league as some of these companies. But even so, it's just, it is a bit naughty, isn't it? In fact, it's more than a bit naughty. They were doing a thing on the television the other day on how corrupt they were working out Putin is uh, because he controls everything. It's a case of all his old cronies. They've all done well financially. Somebody who criticised him was a billionaire. He had everything taken away from him. And there's been lots of cases of that, of things taken away because he rules with a rod of iron. He is the, the man. He is the man at the top. He can decide whether you go to prison, whether they take your company away from you. And it turns out some of his next door neighbours have benefited. He's a, it's a real old cronyism operating over there. Very dangerous. Very, very dangerous. And, uh, and then they come over here and spend all their money. And we go, oh, isn't it nice we've got the Russians here? And I'm always thinking, how do they get this much money? You can only ever get that much money through, through corruption, through not being totally honest. 
Uh, Ken Dodd was in the papers yesterday because, of course, he said at the age of 88 he cannot remember everything. And apparently towards the end of his uh, secret cancer battle, Tony Visconti has revealed of David Bowie that he, uh, he struggled to speak, which is awful. He said he would phone him after treatment. He said he couldn't talk very loud. He was really pretty messed up. And I would say, don't worry about it. You're going to live, which is what you say to somebody, don't you? You say to somebody, don't worry, it's going to be fine. It's going to be fine. Even though in the back of your mind you think, maybe it's not, but you don't want to be negative about it. Uh, Tony Visconti told Rolling Stone, ma- Rolling Stone magazine how Bowie said, one hopes, don't get too excited about that. Uh, he said to have auditioned for a role in Lord of the Rings, Fellowship of the Rings. Dominic Monaghan, who played Merry, saw him at a casting agency. The Brit said, I'm assuming he read for, for Gandalf. I can't think of anything else he'd have read for. So, uh, poor, poor David Bowie, 69 years old, but a great legacy. Uh, also, poor, poor Carol Beverly. Carol Beverly is an overweight teacher. Well, was an overweight teacher. She was 30 stone. She died from a heart attack after Cruz couldn't get her out of her parents' house. Uh, the paramedics sent to treat her were not told how big she was due to an IT failure. They battled to save her while they waited for a reinforced stretcher. The ambulance bringing it then had to deal with a road crash on the way. Firefighters then arrived nearly three hours after the original call and discussed removing a window before the physics tutor died at the house in Dorset. And that's terrible, isn't it, really? That, that, no, I suppose they have to... I mean, do, do they have to ask people now? Excuse me, we're, we're actually coming out to you. Are, are you overweight? How overweight are you? Because they've got to have... And we've had this before, haven't we, people? She had a heart attack during the rescue because she was 30 stone. 30 stone's quite uh, quite, quite big, actually. Quite big. And uh, another one here. Uh, the tax sim, uh, situation is very simple to solve. Abolish corporation tax and VNT and replace it with a purchase tax on all things sold in this country. Simple solution. If only it was. But you're going to find people who are going to better get round that, aren't you? There's going to be people who could say, well, actually, if we do this, then we can do that, and then we can do this, and then we push that into there. So, you know, oh, dear. How about Uber, Steve? No UK tax paid there. Well, I should imagine there's a whole raft of people that you could probably put on the list. Carol Ann says, very windy today. Ooh. Uh, and Grace and I, says Ian, spent a brilliant evening at the Air Gaiety Theatre. The stars, Chris Barber's big band, Chris Barber being a sprightly 85 Rest of the band got to be 65 plus. Yes, I should imagine so. And Patrick says, I've just come back from Iceland. Beautiful and currently very snowy. Contrary to public belief, it's actually quite cheap, uh, except for alcohol. Well, I mean, you need to drink to be there, don't you? You need, you need to, to drink to actually be there, I think. And uh, Gemma Collins is so intelligent, she could be offered a slot on Countdown, says Carla. Yes. Jack and Ori, Jack and Ori, Jack and Ori. Uh, she's not. She can't even speak, actually. That's the worrying thing, isn't it? That is the worrying thing when somebody can't, can't speak properly. And you couldn't put her on. I've seen her on other programmes. She's, uh, she's not very good at them. Uh, Warren. And he says, do you think Murray will win? I wish I knew. I wish I, wish, I, wish I knew the answer to that one. What do you think? Do you think Murray will win? I'm going to say No. <laughs> that way it might actually might actually make him try a little bit a uh, little bit harder. Uh, it's Tony Blackburn's uh, birthday tomorrow, so I shall wish him a, a very happy birthday. I don't even like to ask how old people are. I think it's uh, I think it's far too rude. Uh, very kindly, um, uh, Dan has sent me in a lovely picture of. I think that much is that Chichester. Well, it's quite nice, isn't it? Very nice. I don't want to go there. 
I've seen I've seen cathedrals before. It's it's lovely. It's okay. I mean, it's not you know not going to sort of lose uh, lose any sleep over going there. There's nowhere I can think off the top of my head that I'd like to go to apart from the news because the time is now five thirty. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. Twenty. Five, well, nearly 25 minutes to six, but it's Friday, so come on, you can excuse us a free, free few seconds. Uh, over at Cheney's, very busy today, lots of photographs from, uh, from Graham. Thank you very much indeed. Actually, it's interesting, because I've never seen what Cheney's look like. They're a uh, fruit uh, wholesaler, and uh, all lined up for today's sale, and he said, tell Paul Cooper I've got you a couple of punnets of strawberries from Paul and Graham. Thank you very much indeed. That'll, that'll suit, suit me quite nicely this afternoon. I'm now going to go out and buy some cream. Uh, I shall go and get some cream on the, on the way home for today. It looks quite nice, doesn't it? Do you do just fruit or do you do vegetables as well? I'm sort of looking at everything and it just looks like fruit. So I'm, I'm having to check because I don't know. Because having seen the programme on, on Billingsgate, I'm fascinated by these, uh, these sort of markets and the hours that people work, which I, which I like, actually. I like it a lot. I could, you know, I could quite easily get into that, that kind of a lifestyle. So thank you very much indeed for that, Graham and Paul. And to you as well, if you've just joined us, uh, you will now know, you've probably heard it on the news last night, and you've certainly heard it on this programme since four o'clock this morning, that the uh, real winner of the £33 million ticket has been uh, been coming forward, and they've been verified, and they've got £33 million plus a little bit, and they don't want any publicity. Which is probably quite right, as opposed to the wizened old baggage who lied and said she'd washed it and all this kind of thing. She's got a separate court appearance, and uh, then they will decide if they're going to prosecute her for wasting time. I don't see how they can, really. I mean, I'm, I might be wrong on it, but I'm, I think what they're probably going to end up doing is just giving her a rap on the knuckles, then some agent will take her on, and the next thing you'll see her on this morning talking about why she did it. And, it, and they'll, they'll come up with any old claptrap. These people who are, who are convincing liars uh, generally sit there twisting people around. Actually, talking of that, we found somebody here. This is a benefits claimant uh, who dodged court fines um, after claiming she was too skint. So she had all these fines and she couldn't pay. And what is she? Well, according to the uh, Sun today, she's been exposed as a hooker. I love the way a £1,000 a night, looking at her, she looks like 20 quid in an alley. She certainly doesn't look like... I love that. They, they always have to overhype the situation, don't they? And so you go, sorry, people pay £1,000 a night. She claims she makes um, £150 an hour for her services. I find that very unlikely. You know, they always like to. These old brasses, they like to overhype the situation. Nobody's going to say, are they? You know, you're working as a hooker and, uh, and you're only making 20 quid a time. So everybody always sort of goes, oh, no, £1,000 a night. And we go, really? And then you look at a picture of this poor old thing. Nobody would pay for that. Seriously, nobody would. Anyway, she was allowed to pay off £900, this woman, in outstanding debts at £5 a week after the JP heard her sob story. So whether or not he knew that she was working as, as, a, as a brass, I don't know. Because, you know, £900 in debts at £5 a week is just ridiculous. It's not clear if she was working as a, they call it a hostess or an escort at the time. But she's since raked in four-figure sums as a pricey call girl. They've, they've given her, she's got another name on the internet. She promised blokes an unforgettable time. And, um, I mean, the Taxpayers' Alliance have said it was crucial that the courts reclaim public debts as quickly as possible. And she uh, opened it. Last night, she denied selling sex on the website, claimed she was trying to forge a new career. She said, I want to be a glamour model. Darling, you're way too old to be a glamour model. You're 38. You're about uh, about 20 years out, I'm afraid. Way too old to be a glamour model. And also, if you're offering those sort of services, I think you should pay. I think you should pay. 
So, uh, but I love the idea, £1,000 a night. So, well, she's working five nights a week, £5,000 a week and 20000 a month, a quarter of a million a year, you pay your £900 back, darling. If that's what you are, then you have to pay it back. If you're not, well, then you don't have to pay it back. You just have to pay it as the £5. Or failing that, you know, when you get sort of these uh, judges and you think to yourself, I don't know, are they in the real world? Why do they swallow these stories? There's a, a story about a girl in War and Peace here. And I'm of the opinion, and in fact, I know for a fact, that if you get somebody who is trying to be famous and um, they uh, they then sort of say, OK, right, so you're in this film, you're in War and Peace, uh, we're going to do a feature on you. Um, have you got any stories in your life? You know, has your life been touched by anything? Apparently, her father. Also, her, her inspirational grandmother, who starred in the Beverly Hills show, uh, sorry, in the Beverly Hill, in the Benny Hill show. The Beverly Hill Billies were a completely different programme, but quite funny. So she starred in the, Be- the the Benny Hill show, and her father, they say here, Lily James is fast becoming one of Britain's biggest on-screen stars, hailed as the next Kira Knightley. Well, nobody wants to be the next Kira Knightley. You've got to be, got to be yourself. But uh, so they've done this sort of PR puff here, and they say here anyway. Um, she's got a famous boyfriend, and directors are lining up to work with her. It's, it's, you know, it's the kind of PR puff I expect from newspapers nowadays. But uh, Lily Chloe Ninette Thompson even picked her stage name in honour of her beloved father. And uh, the reason that she's doing so well, she's behind all this, you know, success is deep, deep pain. And I thought, oh, what sort of deep pain has she got? And the deep pain is that her father died eight years ago. And apparently ever since then, she's sort of, she's spurred herself on... And she said of James, a former actor and a musician, my dad did every single accent under the sun. He'd read me bedtime stories. So he died in Isha following a year-long battle with cancer. Never saw her become successful, but that's the reason that she's... It's spurred her on to fame and fortune. Which is, you know... I mean, they've got to find a story, haven't they? And the story would be, in her case, that because her father died eight years ago and her grandmother was on the Benny Hill show, that's... that's but it's just... That's the PR side of it, isn't it? Oh, clips. Oh, clips. I wonder why you were looking at me strangely. Last week I got into most dreadful trouble because every week I tell you about my in-conversation programme. <laughs> we'll probably end up with Lily on it one day. Uh, which goes on Sunday morning between 5 and 6am and then it's repeated between 9 and 10 in the evening. And it's the ladies' turn this week. My first guest, a British actress and singer, regularly lavished with acclaim for her work on the stage and the like of Alan Akebourne's comic potential, Roger and Hammerstein's Carousel, and most recently playing Dolly Levi in Hello, Dolly. It's uh, two-time Olivier Award winner, Janie D. She's in to talk about her new career in, uh, well, sort of her, her career in dance and theatre and her new West End show, Hand to God. The show about a sock puppet which turns satanic is not necessarily for the faint-hearted. And I asked Janie whether or not it was the most adult work she'd done. I certainly wouldn't advocate bringing children under... I don't know. I say under 12, but then I don't know. Children are so clever these days and so yeah. open. I have <laughs> I've said to quite a lot of people, maybe not this time <laughs> to them. And they've immediately gone and booked their tickets. And I think it's, <laughs> it's funny, you know, if, if I'm in something and I say, oh, you must come, it's so wonderful, da-da-da. Quite often people are sort of reluctant to come because I've pushed it or something. But I don't know. There's something about the way I've been saying to people, I'm not sure because it's a little bit, you know, edgy yeah. and uh, uh, I'm not sure you should see this. I know when I first read it, I'd never read anything like it in my life and it terrified me and thrilled me all at once. And, of course, you know, 
it's like holding a red rag to a bull, something like that. I mean, you, just the fact that it's so original and mm. blew me away. One of the big, biggest pleasures for me of reading this play was that I didn't know what was going to happen next. And I still, as I'm playing it, I, I'm never sure what's going to happen next because it's, it's so surprising. And I am reluctant to say anything to you mm. or anybody who might be listening because I think, for me, the pleasure was that I... I had no idea where we were going, and the journey was, was, was worth it. Fascinating interview. I promise you, you're going to be captivated by it. You'll be, grip it. You'll be gripped by Janie D, and she's my first guest for In Conversation this Sunday, between 5 and 6 a.m., and then repeated between 9 and 10 in the evening, and you can podcast as well. The second guest that I have for you, brilliant British actress, best known for playing Miss Mardle in Mr Selfridge, and Mary Morstan in the BBC adaptation of Sherlock, and it's the wonderful Amanda Abington. Loads to talk about. As a big animal lover, we talked about her reaction to the selfies with whales, all of her pets, and, of course, starring in the fourth and final series of Mr Selfridge. But I was particularly interested in her return to Sherlock this Christmas and another chance to work with her other half, who is Martin Freeman. Yeah, with my husband again, which is lovely. This third time. Have you this married is... him three times on I've, in various I things? I think I've married him three or four times on television, yes. So that's that's Well, nice. how have you managed that? I don't know. I don't know how it happens, but we always end up getting married. And then I think in one we got married and divorced. I think we did a thing called the Robinsons, and that was... I married him and then we got divorced. Um, <laughs> but it's I love working with him. He's just very easy. Yeah, you, you and, like him, don't you? Yeah, and I, I... I mean, you have to. You're married to I him. I have to, but not necessarily. I, you know, if, I think if he was a bad actor... It, I'd have to yeah. leave him. No, I'm joking. Oh, <laughs> I'm God, joking. Martin, no, I'm I do, do apologise. I'm so sorry we went down this route. We didn't want but to. But he is, like, he is one of my favourite actors, and it's really nice that I get to go home with him and we can dissect the day and talk yeah. about stuff. It's when did lovely. you meet? We met 16 years ago this year on a makeup bus. Uh, no. And I was moaning to the makeup artist saying, oh, I'm never going to get a nice boy. I'm just never going to... It's never going to happen. And she said, well, it's so funny you said that because there's an actor on here who's been wishing he could meet a nice girl and he then he said oh she, he's coming back to the makeup bus now <gasps> and he walked on and it was a bit of a thunderbolt it was like oh oh it's you i hope this works out and he said the same thing he said as soon as i saw you i realized i'd stop looking wow and, um, and a couple of months later we moved in with each other i'm gonna be sick i know it's, it is <laughs> nauseating it is people just go oh shut up <laughs> i always love it when people do that to me they always go oh we're still in love they still phone each other Every, if, they, if he's away filming, they uh, they phone and speak to each other. You know, everything going all right? Everything good? So that's uh, Amanda Abington. So both Amanda and Janie D on with the programme this Sunday morning between 5 and 6am, repeated between 9 and 10. And you can download it as well as a podcast. And uh, you will not be disappointed. Actually, I'm not disappointed in the strawberries, which I'm going to be getting, because... Um, Graham has taken a picture of them. He said, make, make sure you get these ones. <laughs> we don't want Paul spiriting them away somewhere else. So uh, I shall be showing Paul later on again. They, these are my strawberries. I know exactly what they look like. And I know the punnets. And uh, they do do mushrooms as well, actually. But uh, mainly fruit. So I've now seen my strawberries. Quarter to six. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. It's 11 minutes to, uh, to six. F- Phil Vickery. Says because I'm I'm now totally convinced this is a double-headed program. It's the Stephen Phil show. Stephen, yeah, no, not you, no, because you're going over to the Super Bowl, aren't you? He has to keep doing that. Uh, the chicken Kiev was delicious. I didn't make the chicken Kiev, as you can imagine. I bought the chicken Kiev, and, and I did do the mashed potato out of. Um, it was already made, and I then put it in a saucepan with some um, 
with some sprouts, and that worked quite well actually. But uh, and it was it was delicious. It really I've discovered I can eat two chicken Kievs without too much effort. All these people who eat these mamby pamby meals, you know, for one person, I can't do things like that. I've looked at the portions in M and S and other supermarket supply as well, and they go this this will feed a family. I think don't be so silly; it'll just feed me. Upset that accounts for the size. But anyway, I'm not that big. I'm sort of I'm average, I think. Uh, so the Kiev was very nice, Phil. But he says, not sure about strawberries in, in Jan. Um, they, are, they are particularly nice. I don't know where these ones come from. Well, I know where they come from. They come from, uh, they come from Chaney's. But I'm just not sure which country they come from, Graham. Where, where do they come from? So Paul and Graham down at Chaney's will have to tell me. I thought they, they, they came from uh, Egypt. I could be wrong. I could be wrong. But uh, very interesting. Um... <laughs> he says they are the very best. Yes, I, I, I take the point, Graham. I'm hoping he's going to give me the right ones. I should be mortified if he tries to pass them off as something else. I mentioned at the beginning of the programme that Alan Capper had died. I got uh, two uh, tweets yesterday from uh, from friends of mine, Chris and, uh, and Rob, saying, I'm not sure if you're aware that Alan Capper had died. And I said, oh, I must mention him on the programme because he's part of, of LBC's history. And the reason that Alan Capper is part of LBC's history is that over the years, we've had various American correspondents. When I first started working, it was a guy called Andrew Manderstam. And they always had very commanding voices. And then we had Alan Capper. And we have, we've had various people over the years who we would phone up to get American stories. And on this particular day, which was Tuesday... This is Tuesday, September the 11th. The year was 2001. I was doing the morning programme on Elba. It's sort of like a lunchtime programme. Uh, just coming up to finish. I think it was about 10 to the hour. Uh, to be replaced by Julia Somerville, who was waiting in the wings to take over. And Alan Capper was due to come on later that day to do his, his annual roundup. And they got a phone call out in the newsroom at LBC. And it was Alan Capper, and he said, he said, put, put me on air. Put me, he said, something's happening. He said, I don't know what it is, but put me on air. So they put him through to the control room, and the producer said to me, he said, I've got Alan Capper on the phone. He thinks something's happening. I don't know what it is. Just do a quick Q&A with him uh, on what, what the situation is, and then Julia will pick up after the, the news, because I was coming to the end of the programme. And so we, uh, we got Alan Capper on the line. He said, there's something. He said, I don't know exactly what it is that's, that's going on. He said, but I think... An aircraft has gone into one of the twin towers of the World Trade Centre. And he said, but it's, it's very sketchy at the moment. He, he said, I, I don't know what's going on. He said, it's the, the report's coming in. Anyway, so he was our first port of call. Alan Kappa was the first person to phone the radio station and say, this is what's going on in America. So I said, well, listen, Alan, thank you for that. We'll, we'll obviously keep you up to speed on LBC. And Julia Somerville uh, will be following it up. And of course, nobody knew what it was. Nobody knew exactly what it was. And I'm in my car on the way home and I'm listening to Alan Kappa, who by this time is now talking to Julia. And, he's, and, and as we're sitting in the car and we're driving from Grays Inn Road, I heard him saying, there's another plane coming in. There's another one coming round. And this thing unfolded before our eyes and, and our ears and the sounds on LBC were provided by Alan Capper. He was, he was the man who was there watching this going on for the September the 11th attacks. And it goes down. And the reason I mention him is because he's just died in America. And uh, he was, it was a vital part. One of those people who brought us the news of that fateful day when the Twin Towers went down. There was also, there were four flights that day. One crashed in a field, I think. Uh, these these were mainly suicide uh, attacks. In one of them, the, I think the reason it crashed in the field was that the passengers overpowered. 
I think, the people who were piloting the plane. Uh, there was also a partial collapse of the Pentagon's western side. That was steered towards Washington, D.C., but then crashed in this field. So uh, the fact that, uh, that Alan Kappa has passed on, I think, was worthy of mention because what he did on that day, and well done to everybody in the newsroom who then latched onto it, and that it then unfolded, and then we saw the images and it was then that the, the full horror and the reality, because when he first came on to me and was talking about it, we had no idea what it was. We just thought maybe we didn't know, we didn't know what it was. We didn't even think that it could have been a terrorist attack. We didn't think it could be Al Qaeda. We didn't think anything at all. We just didn't know what had happened. But the plane was driven in. And uh, I think thousands of people. I mean, and there was, I think, two thousand nine hundred and ninety six people died. There were 19 hijackers. Um, Ten billion pounds in property and infrastructure damage and three trillion in total cost. The deadliest incident for the firefighters and the law enforcement officers, because I think there were 343 firefighters killed and 72 uh, of the enforcement officers. I mean, it was a, a day that, as you know, because you've heard it played out on LBC countless times now and you've seen the footage on the television, uh, really, I think, had a profound effect on people and then made us even more guarded and aware that there were people willing to take their own lives that without any respect for anybody at all. They couldn't care less. They, they seemed to think they were going to somewhere better. Sadly, of course, they went straight to hell. But uh, Alan Kappa is sitting up there on a cloud now, and we have to thank him at LBC for all his work he did on, on that day. I think it came as a bit of a shock to Julius Somerville, to be honest with you, because I think they had their programme planned out. And I think uh, because it was all unfolding and it was in the minutes during the news that, that what had happened became apparent to us and the magnitude of it. And we would, we would listen, we were dumbstruck in the car on the way home. And then on the way home, my phone kept ringing and friends of mine were sort of going, have you, are you listening to the news now? Are you listening to it? It's changed since you talked about it. It's now deliberate. There's another plane come in and uh, we don't know what else has happened. It was just, it was one of those... Exciting days, but at the same time, absolute uh, tragedy for those people who lost their lives. But uh, we reported it. I think I like to think that we did it first on LBC before anybody else. Everybody else picked up on it and certainly used our uh, our coverage that we had. Five to six. It's a Friday morning. The uh, the other story which they're talking about in the papers today is uh, is the storms. They now say over this weekend, and I don't want to ruin your weekend, but looking at the satellite pictures, 90 mile an hour gales could come in. Yesterday in uh, Porthcawl in South Wales, uh, they really had a, a battering there, an absolute battering. And I'm looking at the satellite pictures coming in at the moment. And to be honest with you, it doesn't look at all nice. It looks absolutely terrible. And so they've said over this weekend... It's going to get worse, and already I think in Scotland was it Scotland? Yeah, we had a few people from uh, from from Scotland contacting us to say the uh, the high winds have already started. So not so great, not so great. I'll give you the full rundown. The other side of the news, we'll go through the uh, all the pages of the papers, so you know exactly what's going on. So by the time we finish this morning at half past six, you will have a, an idea of exactly what is trending. Uh, Manuel and Lorraine say uh, everybody should pay tax. However, a lot of people must feel quite mad about how, how money is wasted on incoming people that hate us and what we stand for. Yes, I always find it absolutely unbelievable that you get people who absolutely can't stand this country yet more than happy to take the handouts. As I say, if I was running it, it would be somewhat different. I'm afraid I'd be a little bit Dickensian. I'd be taking away the money. What do you mean? You dis No, I think people should contribute. 
I think people should contribute. I'm not, uh, I'm not a fan of people who just sit back on their bottoms and, uh, and don't do anything and just take the money, which, stupidly, we seem to provide to people. Uh, Barbie gets a PC makeover. Uh, she's had it extra curves. She's always been a bit stick-thin, has our Barbie. At the end of the day, she is just a doll, ladies and gentlemen, but a doll with an appeal. Uh, throughout the world, people collect Barbie dolls and men. In fact, I think one of the biggest collectors is in this country. And he collects Barbie dolls because they seem to bring them out. And I think for 67 years, we had Cindy in this country. 57 years of Barbie. We had Cindy. Cindy was never as glamorous as Barbie. Barbie looked like she'd wandered off a reality show in America. And she had a husband, Ken, who at various times looked slightly camp. I think at one time they gave him a floral shirt and a moustache. And most people thought he'd wandered in from the auditions for the village people. And uh, we were never sure what sort of relationship Barbie had with her man, whether he was richer than her or whether she was the richest person. So now what they've actually done is they've sort of changed her shape a little bit to try and reflect, I suppose, what what people look like nowadays. So as far as I'm concerned, Barbie should be much fatter than this, but they've decided not to uh, not to do it. Leonardo DiCaprio uh, meets the Pope. Which uh, must be quite a thrill. I've never met the Pope. I tried to see him once, but as you know, I was thwarted at the last minute when he came in a different way to a school in Twickenham. But it was it was the fact I was fairly close. I'm not in any way Catholic. I just, I quite like the idea that that's, you know, the most holy man in the world, as far as I'm concerned. And uh, for Leonardo DiCaprio to meet him, then they get the photos taken. That's a nice, I bet you know that photo will be blown up and it'll be on Leonardo DiCaprio's mantelpiece, even as we speak, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, the bridge washed away today, worse to come. And the bad news is there's a terror alert over in Disneyland Paris. An armed man is held. He had some, uh, some weapons and a copy of the Koran. Oh, and the good news is, after yesterday we were telling you about the Chav mums who turn up at school to dispense the children uh, dressed in their dressed in their bedroom wear, nighties and the such like. Now it turns out there is a supermarket which has banned shoppers from going in their nineties, but they always manage to find particularly stupid people who turn up in their um, in their pajamas. I mean, these people must be the lowest of the low. The kids can manage to get dressed. Surely mum can manage to get dressed. It's, it certainly seems indicative of sort of the times we're living in, where people just go, oh, I'll just throw a coat on, really? It was like seeing pictures of Chief Chav, Colleen Rooney, going out with rollers in her hair, walking about in Liverpool. Who goes about with rollers in their hair? Unless you're really, really under the sound barrier. Oh, Colleen Rooney again, I'm afraid. So, more on those stories. And jailed the girl who punched the woman on the bus. Nick Ferrari's going to be talking about that one. After the news at seven, it's six. I'm Steve Allen. This is LBC, leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Text 84850. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. It's nice to have your company. It's five past six. I'm Steve Allen. This is early breakfast on LBC with you till about 6.29.50. And, uh, or 30, depends on which one it is today. And then we record a free podcast for you, which you can get by going to the LBC website, which is lbc.co.uk. Downloading the free app, and then you get the free podcast every day, where, unfortunately, I should warn you now, there's bad language. Yes, we mention swear words like Gemma Collins, Daniela Westbrook, and just about anybody who's on a reality show. Uh, the supermarkets who ban shoppers in their 90s. You really can't believe that people do wear their 90s. Will Young gets close to a driving ban. Dirty Gertie, the filthy weather comes in. Better take your umbrella. And uh, the seedy scrounger sob story. 
and the lottery ticket. Yes, somebody's come forward. Camelot have confirmed that they are a genuine winner, not any old fraudulent liar who comes forward and says, oh, I put it in the wash and all the rest of it. And uh, we remain to see what happens. Uh, Same person is up in court on unrelated charges. And so we'll follow that one. Also jailed the girl who punched the woman on the bus. Nick Ferrari will be asking the question this morning. And it's a very relevant question, is why don't we respect the elderly? I can't imagine how anybody, seriously, could ever punch an 87-year-old woman. I mean, I, I, I seriously cannot understand how anybody could ever do something like that. A 14-year-old girl could seriously punch... God, I mean, it just just beggars belief. Anyway, uh, the assault has blighted the pensioner's life and left her always looking over her shoulder. And um, her moving impact statement was read to a district judge at Croydon Youth Court as he jailed a teenager for four months. I would think um, the girl can't be named, incidentally, so she's just known as Thug. Thug one, I suppose, or Thug God knows how many hundreds we have in this country now. And was given the maximum sentence for her age. Well, I think they need to change it, don't you? Four months, that's all she gets. Four months for punching a woman in the face on a bus, an 87... I'm sorry. I I think you've you've kind of lost the right to anything at all. I think you've lost the right... I mean, you've completely screwed your life up because you're obviously a little bit simple. But uh, I think it should be a year, two years, three years, five years. I don't know what would be appropriate for something like that. It's terrible, really. Terrible, really, that somebody could do something like that and show no remorse... Because you only have to think, if that was your grandmother, how you'd be feeling about it. And the answer is you'd not be feeling very good. Phil says, £1,000 a night for a hooker. Hope the tax man's listening. Well, exactly, because she's very easy to find, so her, her tax uh, return should make very interesting reading. Do you not think so? They all think they're being so clever, don't they? £1,000 a night, hooker, and here's the tax man. OK, where, where is the money? Uh, well, I spent it. Well, you could be paying tax on it. Let's, let's sort these people out. Also, uh, Paul... Uh, Kantner, the original member of Jefferson Airplane, which then went on to be Jefferson Starship, has just died as well at the age of 74. Uh, Somebody says, Steve, I used to work on a local newspaper. We just had a lady who advertised her services, described herself as an Eastern beauty. He said, when she came in to pay for her weekly advert, I'm afraid she was no beauty. We used to get adverts. They used to sort of kind of get round it, didn't they? They used to say, actress has large wardrobe for sale. I to, when I first saw it, I said, good heavens above. A lot of people selling wardrobes nowadays. And it turned out she just had a variety of different outfits she could put on. But uh, don't ever believe the £1,000 a night. £1,000 a night. I was listening the day that Alan reported the plane going into the Twin Towers. Shame he's passed on. Yes, I'm, I'm glad I told you that. For those people who are new listeners to LBC, uh, Alan Kappa was, was very much the person who was... Uh, he was on the ball that day. He was absolutely on the ball. Steve, the grandmother, has said she won the lottery, will no doubt be on I'm a Celebrity. Oh, I have no doubt in my mind that she'll be put on the television and hailed as somebody somebody unique, as opposed to just a compulsive liar who gets her boobs out to show a lorry driver and then asks for money and uh, has been in court on various charges. As far as I'm concerned, I mean, th- th- this person shouldn't be put on television. She should be getting some sort of, some sort of mental health treatment. There must be some, perhaps she needs to go on medication, perhaps, perhaps she's got screws loose. You know, we shouldn't be putting somebody like that on the television trying to justify it. There's no justification for somebody telling lies. But I bet you somebody somewhere will. That's been the sort of thing, actually, loose women are probably doing. Let's put her on here, and then they go, oh, perhaps she could be part of the panel, dear. Oh, dear. Uh, Fion says, wishing Alan Capper a happy spiritual journey. Yes. And, uh, Steve... Um, I woke in a supermarket on Saturday at three o'clock, gobsmacked to see a woman doing her shopping, still with her pyjamas on. Yes, I mean, I don't actually understand these sort of people. I don't... Well, I know what they are. 
Um, I just can't understand how you could ever sort of wander out the house. But as I say, having seen pictures of loads of people uh, wearing their curlers out in the street, we've seen Amy Childs getting out of a car with curlers in. (laughs) Naff old chavs, these people are, aren't they? Uh, The Queen hiring the new helicopter pilot. She wants one. I mean, I wasn't aware that Her Majesty took that many helicopter flights. I thought she liked the the sedateness of the car so she could read the latest Barbara Cartland or something like that or plug herself into, uh, into sort of some Game Boy. But the idea that she takes a helicopter, I don't know, it's, a, it's not another wasted job, is it, really? I do hope not. Uh, Robbie and Jason set to rejoin Take That. It's for their anniversary, so they're going to put on another show because Robbie just sits at home twiddling his thumbs and getting fatter. Zayn Malik's got his new single out, to all intents and purposes. Apparently, it's good. Even Simon Cowell said it was good. That'll be interesting. And, um, and Vicky Patterson tries to convince you to buy her diet food. She's in a couple of the papers today. and uh, But as I say, she's never been that fat. It's just a way to part you from your money. You don't need to go and buy diet food. You don't need to buy anything special at all. You don't need to buy measured portions. You can do it yourself. I'll tell you how to do it. Whatever you're eating now, cut it in half. Okay, problem solved. There you go. I've saved you a small fortune. A small fortune. On the subject of um, of my strawberries and where they come from, apparently now, and this is this is for Phil Vickery as well, uh, the strawberries I'm getting this morning are from Spain. Egypt and the Israel season has now finished. And very soon they'll be English. And sort of looking at the weather, actually, it might not be bad, mightn't it? It might not be bad this time round, because you, ha- you, you don't want brilliant sunshine all the time. You've got to have a mixture of sunshine and, and showers. And God knows we've got showers, ladies and gentlemen. Seem to have quite a lot of them for this weekend. Uh, ben Haynow is, uh, according to the Daily Mail website, has been dropped by Psycho. Interestingly enough, Caroline, I uh, was only looking at a, an advert for Ben Haynow. He's going on tour. I did say I thought it quite rare that people would be buying tickets... Uh, if they can't sell tickets for Paul Gascoigne, quite a few remain unsold for his uh, his latest uh, thing. But on the subject of uh, Ben Hayner, I really didn't know enough about him. And if I don't know enough about somebody, that generally means that the publicity machine is not working properly because you should be aware of somebody. And if they then go out on tour, you think, who's going to go and buy tickets? You know, if you're doing, say, and I don't think it's a particularly big tour... I think it's only about sort of seven or eight venues, something like that. Uh, I can't see him selling them. I really can't. I don't know who'd be buying tickets. Uh, apparently, uh, the people who wear pyjamas to school and supermarkets are called Wayne and Waynetters. Well, I think Chav kind of covers it, doesn't it? Don't you think so? Don't you think Chav covers it? Uh, another one here, very quickly. Uh, this is uh, somebody else telling me about uh, Jefferson. And uh, I can only hope, says Kevin the Milkman, the 14-year-old scum gets dealt with. Um, it's just awful, actually, isn't it? It's just awful that somebody could ever do that. Because all I kept thinking when I heard about a 14-year-old, there were two of them, weren't there, who punched an 87-year-old woman in the face. And, you know, an elderly woman who's, you know, supposedly in her twilight years. I don't know. How, I'm, I seriously don't know how somebody could ever do that. You just want to find out who their parents are and go, and you brought that person up. Is that what you taught them? You taught them it's OK to hit somebody, did you? God, dear. Dreadful, isn't it? Uh, 84850, I can't download Steve Allen's uh, whole show from yesterday. No, I think it was all, it's all there. It's all up. Producer will have a quick check, but it's no, it's all there, all singing, all dancing. Because believe you me, if it isn't, we know about it within a matter of seconds of it actually being made available. So it is there. Sometimes you might have to sort of switch your device off and then switch it on again and sort of reboot the system. And then that uh, that kind of works. Front pages of the uh, the papers will go through. It's definitely there. Definitely there. But nice of you to mention the fact that I do have a full show podcast as well available. Uh, the Daily Telegraph. Uh, Barbie. 
makes their front page. She gets curves, but will modern girls fall for her? Do girls still like dolls? I assume they must do. They must sell in huge amounts, don't they? And uh, Lotto Lies, the men who don't tell their wives that they've won. Is that possible to keep it secret? I suppose it could be. I suppose it could be. Um, Zika could affect four million. Four million could be affected this year by the Zika virus, which has already led to thousands of birth defects in Brazilian children. That's what the World Health Organization warned last night. That's front page of the Telegraph. Uh, And also the cash crisis, which has forced Oriel College to defy the student activists who wanted the controversial statue toppled. And this is the uh, statue of Cecil Rhodes. It will stay in place after donors threatened to withdraw gifts and bequests worth more than £100 million if it was removed. The governing body of Oriel College, which owns the statue, has ruled out it being taken down after being warned that £1.5 million in donations had already been cancelled and it would face dire financial consequences if it bowed to the Roads Must Fall student campaign. So there you go. Naughty little students. You've been slapped on the wrist and suitably admonished. Uh, front page of the uh, the Independent, nursing home crisis as care experts' pay is halved. We just don't pay people the right the right sort of money for the job, do we really? And um, Osborne's Google tax does not tax Google. And students in crisis over poor maths and English. God, the least favourite subjects for most people. Maths especially. Maths, awful, awful, awful. We'll do the other pages of the papers in a moment. It's 6.15. Steve Allen on LBC. Well, there you are. Do you beg your pardon? Okay, thank you. No, you have to push the button to get out the door. So hopeful. With the cleaners, they come in, they start hoovering. Thank you. (laughs) That'll be the first time. You watch. Somebody later will be saying to me, who was that? Who was that person? I can tell you, ladies and gentlemen, it was a friend. It was a friend. Anyway, nice to be company if you have just joined us. It's LBC. uh, And I just just lost something, actually. I was just trying to read uh, one of my text messages, and then it vanished before my eyes. 6.20 is the time. 6.20, Nick and the team. uh, You will want to talk about this Michael Jackson story, because I heard it, and I kind of glossed over it earlier on. This is a white actor playing Michael Jackson, sparking controversy, whether or not... I mean, I suppose, I mean... If, if it was a black actor playing a white person, would that would that spark controversy? Would it? I don't know. I thought the whole idea was that actors are supposed to look... If it's somebody who's known, you know, different if it's somebody from, from history that you're not too sure what they look like, but if it's somebody like Michael Jackson who's instantly recognisable, and there is a show in town about Michael Jackson, and I think there is, you know, a look-alike Michael Jackson person who does the dancing and everything else. If this is a white actor... Why, why could they not find a black actor to play Michael Jackson? I know that Michael Jackson didn't exactly look black, but he was a black guy, and they could have had him. If, if this is a, a film, then you st- perhaps you use a few actors. I don't know. Perhaps you could use Michael as a hologram or something. So uh, they'll be asking that question this morning. Does it really matter if he's black or white? The answer is, of course it does. He's a black person. Why would he want to be portrayed by a white person? doesn't make any sense. It's like, you know, we're going to make a film about Martin Luther King. We've got a white actor to be Martin Luther King. What? <laughs> Just doesn't make. There is a is there a white actor playing Martin Luther King on stage at the moment? God, I'm more controversial than I thought I was. Is that in this country or in in America? Really, heavens above! And nobody's complained about that, have they? They're just sort of they're just sort of oh right, casting of white actor as Martin Luther King prompts outrage from playwrights. Good Lord above! And so um, you're right. How odd. 
Very strange, isn't it? They, they want to look at sort of racial ownership and stuff. It gets a bit complicated as far as I'm concerned. As far as, you know, I was thinking, you know, it's like, it's, I don't know, I'm trying to give all the black actors I know and all the black singers. It'd be like watching all your Tamil and Motown favourites coming out as white guys. Very odd. And uh, Nick will be looking at that 14-year-old girl sentenced for punching an 87-year-old woman in the face on a bus. I mean, it, well... Pfft. <laughs> I'm not allowed to say what I'm thinking. Uh, front pages of the uh, of the papers for today. Let's have a look and uh, find out what we can wind you up with at this time of the morning, which is good. And um, yes, say morning to cleaner Chris to me uh, from me says Brian. Yes, uh, we all know that, do we? Yes. <laughs> and of course, I would tell Sam says Kevin the milkman that I'd won the lottery. I wouldn't want her nailing me to the uh, market square clock. Yeah, by those little things down there, yes. And um, apparently there's a, there's a big um, fun run. There's a winter fun run taking place this coming weekend, I think. Apparently the Queen's got her own helicopter. Good Lord, I've, I've no idea. Does she really? Crikey. Uh, Sue says, um, I'm just off to work. I'm cabin crew for BA, and I listen to you every day on the programme. Uh, Phil says, I'm waiting for the first person to go shopping naked as they sleep in the nude. Well, we've had him, haven't we? We have we have had the the naked rambler who just just takes his clothes off and wanders about naked. I thought about doing this program naked on a few occasions, but then I decided against it and would upset the producer. He does complain about these things. Uh, the Daily Mirror: Thirty-three million pound lottery winner comes forward. Surprise, surprise! Not the woman with the wash ticket. You've got a lotto explaining. Um, she's just. Perhaps, perhaps she's got screws loose. Perhaps she's not all there. She's uh, she's tried this sort of deception on before. Didn't work that time. But there again, it's not just her. There's another 399 of them who came forward going, it's my ticket. And you think, so obviously we have an epidemic in this country of people who just tell lies. Gunman with Koran held at Disneyland. He was found with two firearms in his case. His wife had gone missing. Don't know where she went to. Uh, Cheryl's pictured on uh, Barbados. She's gone there for a, a wedding. And then she sent a picture of her in a bikini to fans. Small wonder you get the stick that you get, dear. You can't complain about it. You deliberately send out a picture of you in a bikini. What are you, stupid? Why are you sending these pictures out? I thought you had some sort of class. But there again, I suddenly realised that you haven't got any class at all. Uh, Terror Scare at the Paris theme park runs inside as well. Uh, Anastasia might be going on Strictly. I know most of you going, Anastasia who? Yes, exactly. That's what people are saying. Because apparently she appeared on it in November and she impressed the team when she was singing. So they thought perhaps she could dance at the same time. Don't know why. Uh, the bridge washed away with the worst to come. It's a lovely old old bridge. Historic Bell Bridge. And uh, Storm Desmond did this one. It was on the outskirts of Carlisle. It served farmers, walkers and horse riders and just got washed away. But I'm sure that they can they can build it up again. Um, the supermarket banning shoppers in their 90s. Uh, Rowan Atkinson, 61, moving actress girlfriend into his home. Um, I don't know, he's, uh, he's got a bit of a track record of building houses, hasn't he? And he obviously likes to fill them with nice people. And Mariah Carey, she of the tiny skirts and plunging neckline, uh, she sings a bit too, has become engaged to a billionaire who's given her a 35-carat diamond ring worth about £8 million. <laughs> What would be the point of that? An eight million pound ring. Surely, if ever she gets attacked by somebody, they're going to be hacking her fingers off like there's no time. An eight million pound ring? Good Lord. I mean, where would you... You know, there are people who would kill for a third of that. 
Why would you seriously wear an £8 million ring on your finger? I find it bad enough that some people go out there wearing Rolex watches. I worry, because there's people who would who would take them away from you. Catherine Zeta-Jones in all the papers on how she saved her 16-year-old marriage, which is good. And uh, here's a teenager who's been landed with a bill of 870 quid after dodging a £5.90 rail fare. Stephen Smith from Paynton in Devon, was caught without a ticket on a first great Western service, slapped with a £440 fine, victim surcharge of 44 quid, cost of 160 and the original £5.90 fare. Bozo. The 18-year-old was also convicted in his absence of using threatening behaviour, so it's £869. And uh, fare evasion costs the rail industry about £240 million a year. The, uh, yesterday, when I was on the, uh, the Reading train, the guard came on and said, if you're sitting in uh, first class and you don't have a first class ticket, you will have to pay for a first class ticket. It's amazing how many people got out of the seats very quickly. <laughs> I thought it was quite funny, actually. Uh, another one here. This is, um, oh, a woman who's got a phone bill in. Of uh, She could be left homeless and bankrupt. They're always grandmothers. This one doesn't le- dress like a grandmother. She used her mobile phone on holiday. Ooh. Uh-huh. Unable to pay, Patricia Cardwell has seen her debt spiral to 18000 because of collection fees. She claims she only used the iPhone to send a couple of text messages. But she'd left the phone's data roaming function on. Duh. Stupid. So she got the bill. Um, uh, a company for the service provider, EE, says that they wiped 1800 quid from the money owed. The remainder is being pursued by debt recovery agencies. And uh, you're right, you could lose your home. But there again, duh, you're supposed to be a bit more intelligent than using your phone and leaving data roaming on because it will just keep racking up. So no, no feeble excuses afterwards. You know, you should have known because you're supposed to be a fairly intelligent person. Just about it for this morning. Big Brother Stephanie to face a hate mob. This is the uh, vile Stephanie Davis. The language is so atrocious. But... Uh, 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 after the eviction tonight, she's hot favourite for the boot. Horrible piece of work. Horrible piece of work. The language and just about everything else. Seriously, she's done herself no favours. Uh, is her a resurrection of a career? I think she's possibly killed it stone dead. Uh, the Sun, Disney Paris, Gun Terror, Secret Agony of War and Peace, Lily, because her father died eight years ago. And, uh, and her grandmother, apparently, was one of Benny Hill's people. Why well, that would be agony, I've got no idea. Rita's topless shocker. No, not anymore. I'm far too adult for things like that. The winner of the lottery is found, and it's not the lying grandmother. Big surprise. And uh, Ben Haynow. Oh, I was right. You were right. Ben Haynow has been axed by Simon Cowell's company. Three months. I said he wouldn't go any further. I said on this programme, I heard him singing. I said, he can't sing. He's not a singer. He he did a duet with Kelly Clarkson. Uh, His uh, follow-up, Slamming Doors, failed to chart. And so they say Simon made a decision with a heavy heart. There's no heavy heart involved. It's a case of, can you sell records? No. Goodbye. Thank you very much indeed. And um, so Simon mentored Ben to victory in his winner's song, Something I Need, hit Christmas number one in 2014. He's now the fastest fastest flop on the show, uh, together with uh, Steve Brookstein, Leon Jackson, Joe McKeldry, Matt Cardle and James Arthur. As I predicted, James Arthur, a flop. And now for Ben Haynow. So who's going to be buying tickets for the show? Just about nobody, I wouldn't think. A very unwise decision to take him out on the road, especially as now all the papers are running with the fact that he's been dropped. That's it for this morning. I'm back with you tomorrow morning, Saturday morning between 5 and 7, for the best of Steve Allen. So between 5 and 7, you'll hear a lot of things you've heard this week. And some of it was very good indeed, including our sort of conspiracy theory part of the programme, which the producer liked. So uh, we'll do it again on Sunday morning as well, 5 and 6 in conversation, and then I'll
then I'm back live between 6 and 8. You can listen to LBC if you download the LBC app. Never miss a moment. Leading Britain's conversation at 7. Nick Ferrari at breakfast coming up next. Lisa Aziz with the morning news. This is LBC. 